unless I'm an absolute idiot and the, the biggest, um, like not most naive idiot in the world, I am 500% sure that Amber, Justin and I are like locked in solid. <laughs> To Australian Survivor Archives, the only podcast going over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way to the current day. You're probably expecting to hear an interview right now because it's usually episode recap, interview, episode recap, interview. Well, unfortunately, the miracle didn't happen. We have not found Mr. Personality Benjamin Wynn, so we have gone straight into our next recap, episode 3 of Australian Survivor, season 2, Celebrity Survivor. This first aired on the 31st of August, 2006. This episode is simply called Episode 3, because again, Channel 7 did not decide to call these anything special. And as is the case, every single episode, there is plenty to talk about, plenty to cover, plenty to get into, because we're talking about the world's favourite white witch, Fiona Horn. There's a lot to cover with her this week, but luckily for some, there weren't things covered on her in this episode. We'll get to that. I'll start off by saying my name is Ben and I'm just your typical conservative Aussie bloke with a bit of a metrosexual side. How good is David Oldfield? Oh, we got a lot to talk about, Ben. Hi, Ben. Hi, all. As you know, my name's Matt Dyson and Talking about a lot to talk about. So you mentioned Benjamin Wynn in your opening, and I've got a little story for you, Ben. I haven't tracked him down, but I've tracked him back as far as 2010, his whereabouts as far as 2010. So we've gone a little bit closer, but we're still 11 years away from where he is now, but uh, gradually getting closer. And you're right, any episode where Fiona Horn is at her best, I mean... I want to say this now, Ben, this is by far out of the three episodes so far. This is by far my favourite episode. I think so much happens in it. I think um, the challenges are good. There's a couple of really good classic, like, survivor challenges. And, um, yeah, and, and and Fiona Horn, David Oldfield. This is where David Oldfield really, like, when I'm watching this episode, I'm thinking this is why David Oldfield is so good. There's so much to talk about with him in this episode and exactly what makes him such a good survivor player, which I'm really looking forward to discussing with you. I'm really interested that you just buried the lead there, Matt. You just kind of came in with this, you know, nice little nugget of, Hey, I just tracked down Ben Wynn to 2010, but how great is this episode? Um, This is something that I was completely unaware of. Is this something you're trying to save up for kind of the end of this episode or you want to, you want to spill your guts here about what you found? Well, no, you know I like the wow factor, Ben. So, like, I know off-air we chat a little bit first, and you actually mentioned about Ben when you said that you've been 
been uh, Googling a bit and you haven't had any any luck finding him, but I thought I'd just just keep it till we got on air and discussed it. So I've got a little funny story and I'll start the story off now before we get into this recap. So in my job with COVID-19, we I had I got deployed to go do some airport duty, some quarantine airport duty, and just happened to meet an, a civilian who was an ex-police uh, officer and and uh, we got talking and uh, he's a nice guy and um, and he mentioned that uh, he was an ex-special um, forces. And I was like, okay. But, you know, I didn't want to be some sort of weird bloke where you like you first meet them and, oh, do you know Benjamin Wynn? Like you don't really just <laughs> – anyway, so over the next couple of days we're working there, they got talking. Then he mentions, oh, afterwards – yeah, after he finished with the with the special forces and and that he went and did some the the security work over in in Kabul, Afghanistan. And I've always said, Ben, I'm a I really I always thought that maybe that's something that Ben Wynn did. So after a couple of days, I pulled up a photo and I said, mate, do you recognise this bloke? And my mate said, oh, no, I don't. And I said, oh, I was hoping. You know, I was like, ah, oh, you know. I said anyway. I told him straight. I said, like, I'm trying to track this guy down. His name's Ben Wynn. And as soon as I said that, he's like give me that phone back. He's like, you're talking about Winnie. And I've been, and he goes, Oh, anyway, we got, he knows him. He'd worked with him in special forces in Kabul, Afghanistan, 2010. He's tried to put out some feelers there with some other people. He knows at this stage, we haven't had any luck, but he was alive in 2010. So we're getting a little bit closer. All right. And he's called Winnie. That, that gives Winnie. a bit of personality. That's, that's Winnie. not up the personality <laughs> dial slightly there. If his name's Winnie. I won't say what else he was saying about Winnie. Um, <laughs> maybe not all great things, but um, still don't think he had much personality. But, uh, <laughs> hey, I spent a couple of episodes talking the bloke up. So, I mean, well, look, I want to find him, but we're getting that little bit closer. And you just, you know, it, it was actually quite a funny story because I'm here, I'm down doing airport quarantine duty, uh, you know, and I'm like bored as hell. I'm thinking, right, next second, I'm getting a lead on Benjamin Wynn. So it just shows you, you never know when, when Ben Wynn can pop up. Winnie, Winnie, I'm Win- just going to, Winnie the Pooh. Um, From now on, can we just refer to him as Winnie? Yeah, Winnie the Pooh, I think, you know, we'll, uh, that, that's, that's his new name, Winnie the Pooh. How did we not come up with Winnie when we were talking Winnie. about him? I don't know. Yeah. yeah apparently he's pretty intense out in the, out in the field. Right. And, uh, when it, apparently, apparently pretty intense bloke. Um, mate, yeah, look, he, we all know he doesn't really say much, but apparently, you know, he doesn't say much, but when he does, people listen. Wow, indeed, and he's at least remember. So again, well, good news. He's still alive as of eleven years ago. That's better than fifteen years ago. And and just to end that story, it's funny because when I started mentioning to him, he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah." Now he used to he had mentioned it that he said, "Oh, he was an advisor on on Survivor," and I said, "No, he actually was in the game." And he goes, "No, he was an advisor," <laughs> and that still gets me. Well, you're laughing, but that's what I've always said. Ben, that I reckon he was like the survival guide advisor and something went wrong. And at the last second he got chucked in. And when he said that, that made me think like, I reckon that really is a story. So like, I really hope we do track him down, but I'm pretty sure that this guy, Winnie, as we now know him, was possibly just the survival expert and at the last second got, got chucked in the game. I, I laugh more of the fact that I'm thinking that he's he realises how crap he was. And, oh, yeah, no, I didn't play. I was the advisor. Like, um, yeah, yep, no, de- definitely didn't play. No, I, w- yeah. I would, would not have played that game. <laughs> now, can, please tell me we're going to talk a lot about the, the metrosexual David Oldfield today or, or, as, or as Dicko calls him, just straight out Oldfield. <laughs> yeah, the well, challenges this is a- straight... 
is this the first time we've ever had a real like propstism of just yeah. the last name? This is the yeah, first just, one's Oldfield. Just Oldfield, straight up Oldfield. Like, I actually rewound. I was like, did I just call him by his last? Because you're right. Up until then, you, you never really heard that, and that took a few seasons, I guess, with in the American stuff, wasn't it? I, I can't remember. Mainly it's, it was his first names. And Yeah, I mean, there were definitely some occasions where Propes would drop the last name, but I don't think it was ever really pointed out until Cochrane brought it up right in 23. But, um, you know, it was something that you kind of you pay attention if you really were doing it. Obviously, Cochrane did because that's why he kind of called it out. But I'm actually even thinking... In the Channel Ten version, does does JLP ever do, drop? Like, were you ever Dyson? Did anyone ever get a surname in the? Uh, uh, or have they in the Channel Ten version? Um, I'm trying to think. Obviously, I mean the only. I mean, you look at someone like AK. He got it was. Now I remember with AK, he was originally I think Aaron, like on the first episode, and then it got changed in the opening to AK, like after the second episode, like Tarzan, like how he was Mark and he became. Well, Tarzan. yes, yeah. In the yeah. first episode, it's Mark, then it's Tarzan. Um. What about Richard Hatch? Was he, I know like he was Rick, like they, they would often say Rich or Richard. I think it was Hatch in All-Stars. I'm pretty yeah. sure, yeah. Um, I, just sporadic ones every now and then that I can think of. Like I know Colby got Donaldson after a while, but I don't think he ever got Donaldson in Australian Outback. It might, that might have not been to Heroes vs. Villains. Um, yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I, I, I know there are, like Penner would have gotten Penner in Season 13. Mm. Um, so... You know, a few of those. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's this is kind of unique. There's a lot... It's interesting you say that this is your favourite episode of the season. Um, I'm just going to point out that this isn't a bad episode. I did not dislike this episode. But I, I think, save for the stuff that I'm about to mention, I, I don't think this is a real standout episode to me. But I think this is an important episode, not just for this season, but I think this is maybe a huge turning point for Australian Survivor this episode because we have arguably the the biggest blindside in the history of this show up until this point. We talked about last season how, you know, the Lance vote, you would argue, was the first blindside in Australian Survivor history. This one is one of those ones that people thrive off now in Modern Survivor and, and Channel 10 Survivor. But you also have... A tribe swap, huge ground shifting moment in the history of Australian Survivor. You have complete alliance switches in Australian Survivor. You know, there's a lot going on in this episode that for everybody who sits down and goes, this isn't a real season of Australian Survivor, let's forget about this. Like, watch this episode. You know, it might, to me, and Matt, you please disagree with me, might not be the most entertaining episode of Australian Survivor, but it's a very important episode in terms of how this game develops and what will happen. So uh, I, I look at it more so on, on how groundbreaking this is for the franchise in, in our country versus the entertainment factor. It really surprises me that I thought for sure that you'd be saying this is this is the best episode out of the three we've seen so far because, like you said, we, we, we've got a tribe swap. We've got a lot of banter with Dicko and especially David Oldfield. That that's really evident in this e- episode. Um, I mean, Fiona Horn and Amber not getting along. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, I, I don't know. I th- like I said, the challenges. There's a couple of really good traditional challenges which I really like um, in this episode. And, and at the end, I mean, we talk about Brian Heidick being the absolute, you know, used car salesman, like. David Oldfield in this episode, I mean, this guy is as slick as they come and perfect for a politician. Like, he's the slick-talking politician 
David Oldfield. And it makes this episode like just, I think, just a 10 out of 10 episode. And while I was watching it, it, it actually, I got to the end, I thought it's an absolute travesty that David Oldfield wasn't on All Stars because he's that goddamn good. And he would have been so good, even at the age he is now, which is, you know, not, he's still a fit bloke, but yeah. easily play survivor. Um, he is that good, Ben, that it, it is an absolute tragedy that he wasn't on All Stars. And you know, I'm definitely not going to disagree with anything you say there. I mean, this this is the first true force of nature episode of David Oldfield. And I mean, I think kind of this comes down to that, you, you know, people watching Survivor today enjoy, you know, the flashy over-the-top players who bring this level of strategy that David does. And again, as we've constantly talked about, the game develops to a point where that's what you expect. Whereas, you know, watching this now... Uh, with, you know, vision of modern Survivor and how we're used to the game developing. Like, I, I can still get a level of appreciation and entertainment out of it. And it's not as flashy as you want it to be for modern audiences. But, you know, just the subtle little things that David is saying, like, you're so right, kind of just the way he's, you know, controlling things and just a few of the little lines. He's, I mean, he's opening confession where he's basically kind of talking about, like, you know, none of us are leaders. Some of us want to, like, go out there and shout at people and tell them to go get more wood and, you know, like... I'm definitely one of those. Like just little subtle things that he's kind of dropping there. And then you got to look at certain aspects, which we're not even close to seeing yet with David. Like this guy's a bit of a physical beast in terms of some of these challenges. He's going to go on a bit of an immunity streak. Obviously, he's very useful with the cooking. He's actually quite popular for a, for a politician. I know he gets picked last in this episode, but I mean, you know, when you've got Elton Flatley and Guy Leach, you're going to choose them over, you know, David Oldfield for challenge strength. But there's really nothing negative about David Oldfield's game of Survivor, which coming into this game, if you've got the co-founder of One Nation is going to be the popular guy, you're going to be laughing because, I mean, in 2006, just like it is today, One Nation, not exactly a, a common thing you want to associate yourself with. And make no mistake about it, he's more than a cook then. And yes. his words that, I'm not going to say them yet, but his words that he delivers when writing the name down on the parchment for Fiona to go home is brilliant. And um, it, it made me just, oh, the guy's brilliant. I, I can't wait to just discuss everything David Oldfield through this uh, recap. And one thing I'm so appreciative about someone like David Oldfield is that to this day, he's very proud that he played Survivor. He's very, I guess, um, you know, talkative about it. We've obviously not had him on the show yet. We, you and I have had some conversations with him and uh, looks as though that it, he's very keen to come on the show. But, I mean, through sort of what we post on social media and sort of some of the interactions we've had with him, he's he's very keen to talk about it. He, he obviously took it very seriously. I know in uh, the brief interview I had with Imogen Bailey through the Australian Survivor Hall of Fame, you know, she talks a little bit about having a, an email exchange with him basically after the game that, I mean, he took it very seriously, all these stories that I'm really looking forward to hearing more about. So I, I always do appreciate that with somebody who, you know, we found a lot of that with the Whalers Way contestants, didn't we? That, you know, nearly 20 years later, they're still very passionate about their time. They want to talk about it. You know, it's still part of their lives. And he's someone who, on a season, which, again, people don't really count as a real season, uh, you know, he was put on there because he was a celebrity. You know, he treats like this, like he was just, you know, you out there mm, in, in the game exactly. and playing this, you know, and he's, he's that passionate about it all these years later. Just another thing about this episode too, before we get into it, the, the other thing I really like about this episode is the first time this season that we see the person who ends up getting voted out 
they're, they're fighting to stay in this game. So obviously, you know, we saw Kim Johnson, you know, voted herself out. Ben Wynn, well, don't know what the hell is going on there. Winnie. But Winnie. <laughs> Fiona doesn't want to go home. And, yeah. and she is doing a bit of scrambling. She's coming up with, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C. Obviously, in the end, it backfires. But um, that's what I really like about Fiona in this episode too. She's not just lying, lying down. She knows she's on the outs with a few of the people. Let's be honest, she rubs people the wrong way. Um, and she, she she knows it. Um, but I like that. She goes out, but she, she goes out trying to come up with a plan to keep herself in the game. And as I've said every time I've talked about Fiona this season, is that she she brings great television. And whether you like her or not watching it, this is what you want watching any reality television show. You want casting where you're going to have a, a player who is black or white. Like, you like them or you don't. You know, they're, they're not a middle-round player. You're either going to like them or you're not. And, I mean, Fiona is fantastic. And you want to have a sort of a player like that who is rubbing people the wrong way, but he's playing hard and... You know, I we've talked a lot about sort of your and my differing opinions on her and how she's playing this game, but she she's great to watch. And it is kind of a bit of a shame rewatching this episode and, and realizing that she only lasts three episodes. And I think that there would have been, you know, so much more tension moving forward had she stuck around and it would have made for very interesting television. But the way also I look at it, it's also a great thing in a weird way that she's gone because I think kind of what Amber does in this episode is so important for this season and also for Survivor, the franchise itself. I mean, you know, as we love Whaler's Way. We love it to bits. You know, we're, we're the only two people on this planet who spent, you know, how many hours defending the crap out of it. And it's something that, you know, we will continue to do to the day we die. But there was no shift in that game. There, there was attempted shifts, but it wasn't. So, And people who don't like that, who don't like old school pagongings and things like that, they've got a right to complain about because there's nothing there. This is where I've always said this is a bridging season and you have this. This is so important for the franchise. And looking, and I've actually got this week and we'll read some of these out throughout this episode. I, I've done what I've said we were going to do this season and got some YouTube comments up. I've got comments from that old uh, Survivor Sucks thread to kind of really read people's opinions. And the, the general consensus is, particularly back in 2006, is that people are loving this because of the shift in alliances. You know, you've got this move made by Amber and things like that. So I think that, you know, for Fiona, it's it's a positive and negative that she's gone out three episodes in. Uh, you want to have that blind side. You want to take this on board. You want to see something like that because, you know, this is why people turned in, tuned into Survivor is to kind of see that changes. And as soon as, think about Africa. When we had that tribe swap, nothing was going to be the same again in Survivor. Things were always going to constantly change. You've got this in the second season of Australian Survivor. Things are constantly... And Channel 10 in 2016, okay, let's pretend that was the very first season of Australian Survivor. They're going to base it mainly off the US one. Of course, they're going to have tribe swaps. They're going to have that. You're going to expect it. But I don't even know if 2006, you automatically going to expect this because i know that that was a sort of a staple in us survivor at that point but this is celebrity survivor you know these guys are getting fish dinners after one fucking challenge so you know who knows so for australian audiences who maybe only had ever seen the australian version and had never seen the us version this was like whoa you know mm. blinding blinding lights they're they're shocked at something like this and ben that's why i keep saying this episode's a great episode I, i'm surprised you're not talking about well, it's, it's to the extent it's to, sorry to interrupt. It, was, it kind of comes down to a fact that, like, you're right. Like, this is a like it's a great episode in everything that I'm trying to say. If I was to just 
put on a random episode of Survivor and go, I'm going to watch something to be entertained, to take my mind, just, you know, have a bit of fun while also sort of realizing it's important. This wouldn't be the episode. And it's kind of, it's, it's, I don't know if I'm making sense here because it, this isn't a bad episode. It's it's a great episode and those sort of things. But I think kind of if if you strip down the importance and the the big moves and things like that, there's I like taking notes for example. I like coming on here with you, Matt Dyson, and making jokes and being a bit silly and having a bit of fun. Like there's there's nothing to that extent. There's a few things, but nothing major. And it's also like a case of even something like Dicko's Thug Life. Like I struggled to come up with something. I've got like maybe two examples. Like that's where I'm looking at it in terms of a, an overall package of an episode. I wasn't just blown away. I stopped watching this and I went, okay, that was a pretty big shift. That's a pretty important episode. But I know that there are a lot better episodes this season. And I would say the premiere of this season, I came out of it like being blown away more than something like this episode. If any of that makes sense. And I'm just giving- the thug life is an easy one, mate. Dicko at Tribal Council is t- saying to David Oldfield, he looks good for a 55-year-old. Yeah. He's not well, 55. That, well, I mean, that's the point, though. It took to like a minute 40 or 42 to get to that point. But um, no, that that's definitely the one I marked down. And there was another one. Oh, the uh, Ding Dong, the witch is gone. Uh, like <laughs> possibly. But no, I, I definitely think the, uh, <sighs> the thug life. And also, can I just say, uh, Dicko's fashion this week, we haven't really been pointing that out. Uh, last week, I don't think we really did. But a uh, couple of costume changes for the D-man, so good for him, Dicko. He has a good episode, and uh, there is. It's, a, it's that running banter with uh, David, which I think it, it's it, it's good fun. It's, and I love when – we'll, we'll get into it more, but I love when contestants stand up to the um, the host, and, and and David definitely does that tonight. But, but Ben, we start off on day six, uh, episode three, day six uh, – Starts off, of course, with the, the fruit flies. Fiona and is not happy. She's not happy. They've left the fruit out and the fruit, fruit flies are getting to it, mate. What, what do you think about that? Look, it's it's an interesting little moment, right? Like, I've got to say, like, I, I've talked a little bit about Fiona being a bit on the nose in the first couple of episodes, a bit annoying. But it's interesting this week. Like, I'm kind of on the fence on where I would stand in this argument because, like, in the grand scheme of things, Fiona is... is bringing a concern like fruit flies it's it's you know they're a bit of a risk of course you know but at the same time like amber's she's grumpy 6 a.m don't don't sort of rub her the wrong way like this is you know not something you do and like i get it fiona's a little bit on the point where it's kind of like okay we get it fiona it's a big deal like just take a breath like you know whatever but at the same time amber kind of i think also just gets to a point where it's like amber like she's just pointing out fruit flies flies here like it's not like she's walked into the camp with a bell and gone ding 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 everybody fruit flies everybody come on hurry up so like this is a it's a it's an entertaining fight i like it and i i love the amber fiona sort of little fight little thing these two just do not like each other but it's it's an interesting little debate i don't know who would be wearing the team fiona team amber t-shirts in 2006 here the thing i lo- i loved when when amber says you don't mess with amber at 6 a.m in the morning like that <laughs> so obviously she's not a morning person i, I think like we've spoken to amber before we, we were lucky enough of course to interview her on the oz network and she's so laid back she, she's oh, she i love amber like she's so good and, but she is, she's chilled out, she's laid back. I can see just from that conversation, that interview we did with her, how laid back and chilled she'll be. So she's not the type of person at six o'clock in the morning is going to want someone in her face talking about fruit flies. So where Fiona, Fiona's done so much in her life, you know, she's always looking to what she's going to do next, you know, and she's very intense. And you can see it in this episode. And this is where it's not good for Amber because 
uh, sorry, not good for Fiona because Amber actually tells her to her face that, you know, you speak to people like they're a child. Like when someone's telling you that, that's, that's a warning sign that you're rubbing them the wrong way. And then Amber in a great confessional, she actually says, you know, um, that Fiona's unaware of how she speaks to people. So, yeah, it's, it's not a good start for Amber in this episode, uh, for Fiona in this episode. And that's what I've sort of talked a little bit about in the first couple of recaps we've done is that, you know, Fiona's a great survivor player. She's got the strategy. She's got the alliances. She's got all of that down pat, but her social game is terrible. And I think mm. that that would never change her because, like, you're right. Fiona's Fiona's her own person. Fiona is is that type of person that is is proud as punch of for her being her, and she's never going to change whether she's playing Survivor or whether she's just you know at home with her friends. Like, and and I respect someone like Fiona so much because. I'm not that type of person. I can't be that type of person. And so that's where it, like, it translates well onto TV. And then you've got Amber, who is also very the same. She, she's independent. She, she's strong. She's, she, she's going to be exactly the same. And put them together on a tribe, you're going to have a clash. And that's what we want to see. And I think kind of one thing I'll say for this episode is this is a very well-edited episode. This, this episode is tightly edited. It gets to the point. This is like a very well story episode when it comes to the editing because you've got this within you know what five minutes of boom here's conflict and then this conflict's going to draw over to basically help sway amber to why she's going to vote her out when realistically you should be sticking on the tribal lines potentially to kind of think down the down the line so we've seen this kind of building under the surface we've really got this uh put together now and props to Channel 7 for a very well tightly edited episode because this is what you need to see at the start of an episode of Survivor. You need to kind of, it's its any good story. It's got a beginning, a middle, and end. This is the beginning. This is kind of the opening act where you're like, okay, this is what's going to lead to something which ultimately makes sense by the end of this episode. So, yeah, it's its entertaining. It's fun. We get Amber versus Fiona. I'm not going to be complaining about that. And this, this is a great start to the episode. It is, and it's the start of, a, a, I guess, a, a long disagreement over the next couple of couple of days between those two. Now we, we shoot over to Kakula. <laughs> are they just all mates? Like honestly, is this the best coolest tribe ever? Like Kakula, they're just, they're all like going in the jungle together. They're all finding bananas. You've got you've got the pleasure machine, Gabrielle Rich, and she's just she's just doing whatever. She she's still trying to work out what actual her strength is, but you know, but she's chilled out. Like you've got the blokes like Elton Delton and oh, I mean. How good is Kakula? Like, is this the tribe you want to be on if you simply just want to chill out for a few well, days? This, this to me is the funniest and best part of the episode here because um, you're right. Like this is kind of the, the cool tribe you want to hang out. It's just the boys being the boys and Gabby on the side working out her point. We've, we've got the Gabby body bingo all in this sequence, mm. a couple of zoom in pans on every single angle of her body there. So uh, the camera people are having fun that episode. But the best part of this whole episode, real flatly smashing shit. Um, not only is he smashing shit, He's getting smashed in the head. He literally gets a coconut, smacks him in the head, and then he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Elton flatly continues to deliver the gold. And, like, I never in a million years thought I'd be coming into this talking about Elton Flatley, who at the time, I'm like, oh, this guy's forgettable. Did he play so much? This guy had three episodes. Is 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 Sylvan, you know, he, he's Jay. He's everyone in one, mate. Like, smacked in there with a coconut. And he's like, oh, yeah. The, the funny thing with Elton, he actually gets a few confessionals this episode, but you yeah. swear like they're, they're almost like identical confessionals. Just, oh, yeah, they sound exactly the same. same. <laughs> oh, 
but it's, it's gold. You start listening to you, this listen to, oh, what's Elton going to say now, you know? Um, yeah. Another thing too in this sequence, uh, we get a few confessionals from David and I, I made this in my notes and I mentioned a little bit earlier, is he the slickest character we've had on Australian Survivor? Like you take, he's, he's in, in the confessional, he's got the slick back hair. He's obviously wet the hair for the confessional. He, he's slick. He just looks the part. He looks the part of a politician. Of course he was a politician, but um he has the right look to play this this guy that's going to play a little bit sneaky and play to win. Which we talked about this earlier in this season is that, you know, you look at the US version, Brian Heideck, the only used car salesman to play the game, wins, does fantastically, arguably the greatest, if not one of the greatest to ever play the game. David Oldfield, the only politician to play. I mean, I know Nova sort of was, became a politician. Um, and I mean, Shona became, these people became politicians, but Nova was put on the season because she was an Olympic gold medalist, not because she was a politician, maybe a bit of both, but you know, that's, that's open to debate, but like David Alford's put on because he's a politician. Yeah. And like, there's, there's obviously, I think a reason why that they try it once and go, okay, well, we're not going to do it again. Because it interests me that, like, Heidek's the only used car salesman. Although I think yeah. I'm pretty sure that um, there was another used car salesman. It's off the top of my head. I can't remember who, but I think they had sort of had a brief background. It was mentioned in the US Survivor. Somebody can correct me on that. But then it's like you wonder if, like, the casting people go, okay, well, that's too easy for them. You know, it's like, it's, it's like how they're – you know, we've had in Australia and US, like they keep putting the poker players on thinking they're going to be terrible and they're good. And generally poker players turn out to be rubbish at Survivor. But like used car salesmen, politicians, they've got the gift of the gab. They've, they've got that way. They, they know how to manipulate and spin at everything. And like, you're so right with David Oldfield. He, he just sits there. He, he doesn't struggle. Like Elton Flatley, every convention was like, oh yeah, mate, like fucking getting hit in the head and shit, fucking smashing shit. Great. David Oldfield, it's just, it's so articulate and so to the point. There's a bit of humor to what he says as well. Like David Oldfield is Brian Heideck. Like yeah, he, he is. is exactly. He is, I mean, it's around, you know, a few years removed from Heideck. But, like, he is Brian Heideck. He, he but, and, really and, is. And, and that's what I'm getting at. Like, you, you can have a used car salesman, you can have a politician. doesn't mean they're going to look slick as well. They might have the gift of the gab. But, you know, like, for instance, if Clive Palmer's on there, you, you know, he, he doesn't look slick, does he? Clive no. Palmer doesn't look slick. Exactly. So, but he just has this look. And in this confessional where he's got the slick, I don't know, man. I just, like, this is a big episode for, for Oldfield, as we should call him now. But yes. um, he, he, um, I just had to say that because I think of like, you know, future players, you know, that that, that have played um, Australian Survivor since, you know, like when you think of slick players, maybe Andy, you know, in his golf hat, um, there hasn't been too many because, you know, maybe Henry, you know, being a yoga guy, um, you know, we haven't really had that too many sort of, yeah, because Luke Toki, I wouldn't say he's like a slick sort of character, you know, he's more of the funny guy and you, you you know, Harry, he, you know, he's more of the sort of, you know, he doesn't, he keeps it this sort of a monotone, very level-headed. Um, but you look at, like, there hasn't been that many real slick players and, and David Oldfield is number one in Australian Survivor for that. You're 100% correct because, you know, there's an element to what we get now where it's a bit of showboating, you know, mm. and that's yes. not to take away from it because that's what makes these players entertaining. But 
you know, Luke, Luke's Luke. Luke's going to be Luke. But I can't imagine Luke doesn't get there and showboats a bit. You know, David Jannat showboats the shit out of it, but we love it, right? You know, I think of someone like Andy Torrens who kind of went into the show and, and was dropping Heidek lines deliberately because he mm. loved the guy and he, he's coming out and dropping some clangers. It, it, it is, you know, unique sort of in that period now where it's kind of a lot more there. But like David Oldfield is just... He's not doing it as it's kind of like what we talked about with Rob Dixon last season. That like Rob was playing up to the cameras a bit, but he does it in a way where you're not believing he's purely doing it for a soundbite. And David Oldfield's got that way about him that he can do it as well. And I think you know you you can compare David to Brian Heineck a lot, and I'm I'm loving this comparison. But like I think at the end of the day too, like. Heideck like does it in a way where there is a, a definitely a bit of showmanship, like the famous yeah. confession where he's counting yeah, his cool. fingers and he sticks <laughs> his finger up and it's like whoops, like you know, and he's he's doing the whole like you know, women get back to the kitchen lines, you know, things like that. Whereas, like this is what makes David Oldfield good to watch because he does it in such a way that you kind of you know he's sort of playing up, but it's it's natural at the same time if that makes sense. Like it's it's. I mean, God, I, I, I don't know where you can vote for David Oldfield. I've never read his policies. I know he's with One Nation, and I, I would never vote for One Nation. But fuck, if this guy's standing in front of me telling me to vote for him, I'm tempted. Like, <laughs> and the thing is with David Oldfield, he the lines he says, even the metro metrosexual line, all that, like these aren't lines that he would have gone into the game thinking I've got to try to get these lines out. These are just rolling off the tongue yep. as he goes. You know, where I think Heidek probably had a couple of lines even, you know, that he wanted to use where, and, and and all the players do that these days. You look at Luke Toki calling himself the mayor and the king of the jungle. These are all stuff to get airtime and it works, you know, get some more airtime, you know, it gets him on a second, second run, um, you know, second survivor and all that. And that's what a lot of players do now. But the stuff that's coming out of Oldfield's mouth, that's the stuff that's rolling off the tongue as he goes. And, and, and you can tell that, and that's what makes it even better. Which it is a a trope of politicians and it's like it's all well and good to sit down and and bag out a politician because they never answer a question they're always spinning you know all those sort of things but i don't think people realize that that's actually a skill in itself you know Mm. like i I can sit here and you can ask me a question i can try but there's a reason why i'm not a politician plenty of reasons why i'm not a politician but like i've interviewed numerous politicians over my career and you can pick the good from the bad but like when you are interviewing like i've interviewed three prime ministers and there's a reason why they are the prime minister you know why they are the leader of their party and why they've gotten to where they're going because they're good at you know talking and doing what they do and kind of everything that gets them along those lines and that's obviously ultimately the top level of where you can get to in politics but you know you've got local politicians who are only city councillors who are mayors you know and they they have it like it's just it, it is a skill in itself and i implore people if you kind of sit down and look down your nose at politicians because they're all liars they never do what they're promising and everything along those lines first of all go into politics and see how hard it is i'm not excusing these dirty politicians who lie their asses off i'm not saying they're all good but try it and then try do what they do. Like ask a common question and you see if you can go from point A to point B and stay on topic and still get your point across. I've been trying to do that for nearly 20 years and I'm still here and not doing very well. It's a hard thing to do. So, you know, it's it's definitely something that I weirdly admire about politicians and, and David Oldfield just, he hasn't. He, how is he not actually, well, there's probably a few reasons why he hasn't been prime minister. I'm not opening up that kind of words. But hey, he's got the gift of the gap. Sorry, Ben, the last two minutes, all that's been going on in my head is 
who were the three prime ministers that you interviewed? That's <laughs> all that's gone through my head right now. Well, I mean, he's all- Bob Hawke. Well, sadly not. In all fairness, only one was the sitting prime minister at the time. Um, uh, Ruddy, he was, well, he was foreign minister at the time when I interviewed Ruddy. But, Kevin uh, 07, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Julia was prime minister at the time when I interviewed Julia. And uh, Mr. Abbott, I actually technically interviewed him twice because the first time it didn't record, so I had to do it again. So, um, you know, but and I met, I, I sort of interviewed Malcolm Turnbull for the newspaper. I, I met him when he was prime random stories people don't want to hear it it's just been gloating about meeting and talking to prime ministers i've met four interviewed three there you go i'm gloating but that's nothing common in that's not uncommon in australia we have a new one every week so for god's sakes like you meet a new prime minister every day right now just talking about politics because nova paris now she was in politics um as well so like well that's what i mentioned i said like she was kind of like but i i like yeah she was touted as a politician slash gold medalist but I mean, personally, I consider her more of an athlete because I, I yes. knew I followed yeah. her career very well, sort of in the '90s and then into the 2000s. Um, it's kind of like Zali Stegall. I, I'm a mad Zali Stegall fan because I, I watched her in Nagano win that bronze medal. I got her on one of my podcasts and interviewed her, and this was before she ever went into politics. And like I was like fanboying out interviewing Zali Stegall, and then all of a sudden she goes into politics, and now she's like you know this prominent independent politician, right? Like I'm like, dude, she's like our first female Winter Olympic medalist. Like that's what I know her for, you know. But sadly, most people now know her as a as a politician. But hey, I mean, bloody what's his face? Um, uh, Midnight Oil. Why have I gone blank on his name? Oh, Peter Garrett. Peter Garrett. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I mean, people. I mean, God, we all know him as Midnight Oil, right? But, I mean, he kind of served as our environment minister for a while, right? So, you know, it happens. Well, we, just, we, we, we just got to hope uh, Winnie gets into politics oh, anyway. Jeez. <laughs> he he definitely doesn't have the politician gift of the gap. Come on. Now, Ben, Moso. Moso, Moso, Moso. <laughs> Sorry. We're not even at that episode yet. <laughs> um, yeah. Th- we go back to Moso here, and, and once again, we're seeing this conflict between between Amber and Fiona. And you know, Amber's saying, you know, like that 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 Fiona's a very aggressive, you know, strong woman, and but she also says that she's playing the game and she's not being truthful truthful to people. So that's a big thing to think about there. So she knows she's playing a game, and let's be honest, we know out of everyone, out of probably all twelve contestants, Fiona's playing this game, you know, almost the hardest, you know, probably with David. Um, and but it, she's doing it in a way that's obviously clearly visible because Amber's already mentioning it here that she's she's onto it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, there's a subtle Imogen moment. There's not a big episode of Imogen, but there's a couple the couple of moments we do get of Imogen really good. So she's having that conversation with Amber here, and Amber's kind of you know pointing out the the things with Fiona that's annoying and everything. And Imogen's kind of pointing about, like, you know, not keeping things under control and just kind of observing and sort of going through that way. It's it's very little. It's kind of not a massive deal compared to what we're getting from Dave and other people. But there's just little reasons if you watch someone like Imogen of how she goes deep and she's thinking and she's kind of, you know, we've gone a long way now from Imogen struggling and, oh, my God, will she be like one of the first boots gone? We're, we're, we're past that now. We're on to, you know, Imogen kind of being Imogen. Queen Imogen, sorry. So, yeah, you're right. And then I kind of I, I like sort of the dynamic there when they – cut to Fiona and Fiona's like, I am taking the leader role. I'm going to admit this. Like, you know, she's doing that and again. Like, you know, probably not the best idea to do that in survivor, but, um, but, 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 but Amber's saying, she's saying that she's, she is not our leader. Like she, hmm. 
she's not going to bow down to Fiona. Like she's saying she might think she wants to be leader and all that. And she actually says if she's going to confront her again with anything, that, that Amber's going to shut it down. So she, she's she got jack of her, mate. Like she's not going to cop it anymore. And she's certainly not going to sit here and think that, you know, let Fiona think that she's the leader. Which I really like. And I think it was from an earlier confessional that Amber had at the beginning of the episode where she points out that Fiona's not used to people standing up to her. And Amber's not afraid to do that. And that's going back to my point where, like, having these two together and kind of the conflicting natures of just these two two personalities is fantastic. And, you know, this is this is where season one, the dreaded M word, comes into play. Because even when you had conflict, it wasn't conflict. Like, no. Robin Craig was conflict, but it was kind of behind-the-back conflict. And it wasn't until the final episode when Katie blew up that you really had sort of that level of conflict, right? This is episode three, and we've got full-on conflict. And correct me if I'm wrong, even in the early Channel 10 ones, we didn't really like Des kind of conflict, but, you know, it was more of a, you know, I'm not taking advice from a latte sip and whatever, you know, kind of (laughs) stuff like that. Like, brilliant, Des. Fuck, we love Des. (laughs) I know, I know Des is not listening. He's already been ripping shit into us doing this season. So, hello, Des. I'm sure you're, you know, getting over it. But um, I don't think we really had full-on cat-Des bickering in person. It was all confessionals, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is the first time we've got it. And it, is this the last time we got it for a while? Like, when do we get this in Channel 10? Yeah. Well, I don't think it happens much yeah, in that 2000s, the, the first Channel 10 season. Um, you're well, right. I mean, you like were tribal. Like, I mean, I obviously. Gonna, <laughs> me, that's not even me bagging tribal. you out. That's legitimately <laughs> pointing that out. <laughs> basically, me at tribal and the other 11 contestants. So I take on all, yeah. all 11. <laughs> Matt's not afraid but, to take on a gang. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. But th- this is the best bit about this little segment here. So Fiona's like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to stop being a leader. I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to my personal space. And, of course, her personal space is going down to the water, (laughs) stripping off naked, and she gives an offering to the gods, and she gives gives thanks. Well, I tell you what, it's quite an offering, Ben. Um, I don't know if you want to describe what's going on here, but it's quite an offering. Look, I I, I should point out, I'm not laughing at her giving an offering and things like that. That's not what I'm laughing at. If people haven't watched this episode, please go and watch it because, um, again, an episode of many firsts. uh, This could be a global survivor first. I mean, I've never watched sort of Scandinavian Expedition Robinson. I'm sure they get away with a lot more on their television. But uh, we get (laughs) full-on... Fiona Horn nudity, nothing blurred, I, nothing pixelated. We get to see the whole the whole kit caboodle here. Just make it clear, I wasn't giving crap to Fiona Horn for giving an offering. I'm, I'm saying she can give as many offerings as she <laughs> wants because. So, season one of Australian Survivor, of course, we see you know Shona Brown bathing nude, but we see bum. a bit. Of, we see the bum. We see Katie Gold do the the run around the shower, which is uncensored in Surviving Survivors. So technically, yeah. not the so, first nude. Well, we see yes. we see the bum. Do we see the breasts? I'm not sure. Of Katie, I think she's got them covered up. But 
yeah, I'm just trying to think, is this the first time in Survivor, in Australian Survivor history, that you actually see breasts? Well, it, I mean, it, it, on a regular episode in prime time, yes. Uh, surviving Survivor, you see Katie's breasts. Uh, they don't pixelate that when she runs around. But again, that's sort of like a, that was aired at like 11 o'clock at night. You know, barely anyone saw that. If you're talking full on regular episode, it is. And I remember re-watching this maybe a year ago before the subsequent rewatches I've done in the lead up to recording this episode. And I completely forgot. And it's like, mm. if you're not expecting it, it, it is a bit of a, like a wall moment. And like reading the comments on YouTube for this episode and also on the uh, Survivor Sucks forum, and I'll go through some of them later, all the comments are about the nudity. Um, well. And like, it's, it's interesting because... You know, we know how prudish America is with theirs. Like, they're literally blurring bum cracks. They're, they're blurring if there's a bit of pubes hanging out of the old, uh, you know, bottoms there. Like, they're, they're blurring everything. Yeah. This is like, off comes the top, there's a nipple. All right, yeah. happy Thursday night on Channel 7. Have yeah. some nipple with your dinner, you know? <laughs> and, that, and that's why I wanted to talk about it. Not look, yeah, nudity's nudity. That's nudity's fine. That's fine. The, the, the reason why... I think it's important we talk about this is because this is in 2006, obviously yeah. 2021 now on Survivor. I don't think we're going to see breast and nipple on Survivor. I just don't think we are. We're, we're obviously in 2006. Like you're right. Like it's the whole breast, the nipple, it's all there. And if you weren't expecting it, you can't, especially for anyone who watched Survivor, you know, every episode leading up to that, like you just weren't expecting it. And all of a sudden it's all, like, oh, there's Fiona Horn in the water and there's her nipple. Like, and you see it a bit later in the episode, but I'm almost thinking Survivor's gone the other way now where they're almost scared to show bums of the females. Now, from memory, the last couple of years, I think the only bums you now see is like Lee Castle Dines, you know, um, J- you know John's, um, Zach. Guys after you got you know, voted out. Went for yeah, the, got guys the after, yeah, that dip. episode after yep. I got voted out. So it's all, it's all got, I can't remember the last time I saw female bum on Survivor. Look, I mean, and I think that's the times we live in, though. Like, it's kind of... And that's what I'm getting, and that's my whole point. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, like, all jokes aside about, oh, here's Gabby Body Bingo. I mean, there's no questioning that they're deliberately going out of their way to, like, pan and zoom over Gabby. And we talked about that last season with Jane. There was the sequences of her in the water. We had one with Karen as well. And we, we brought that up with Jane, of course, in the interview about, like, you know, how did you feel about sort of, I guess, being a bit objectified. And it's it's interesting looking at it in a way. And I think this is what the positives come from a lot of the movements that we're, we're seeing now in, in modern times is that we can look back on this now and go, well, okay, well, is that okay? But on the reverse side of that, is it then okay that we're objectifying men in modern? Like it, 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 it's, it comes down to, I guess, a level of, okay, well, what are you willing to show? And like, it's, it's interesting. Like to me, a bum's fine. Like God fucking show more bums. Bums are bum. But like, it, and you're never going to see like, you know, Lee Castledine's dong hanging down. Like they're not going to go that far. But I mean, a breast is still a breast, and like, you, like this, you're never gonna see a breast in 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 Channel Ten Survivor. Nah, like nah. it's 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 unique, and that that's that's the thing that I think catches you off guard. I like if the, if they showed it from the back and you saw a bum, I don't think we're gonna be talking about this as anything. We're just like, oh, cool, Fiona's bum, there it is. But like, it's the fact that you see the breast, and again, personally, I don't care, and that's not coming from a oh, it's a guy he's seeing a boob thing. Like I honestly, if they showed guy leech flopping out of the water dong hanging down i'm not gonna care like at the end of the day like it's a body's a body like we've all got bits we all seen naked people 
But like, it just, it comes to a level of just like, you're not expecting to see that. Like if you're watching Big Brother uncut, you're expecting to see it. If you're watching Survivor at 7.30, 8.30 on Channel 7, you're not expecting to see that. And they would have to pass censors as well. Like you've got to pass these episodes to get a certain rating. So I'm not sure if this is being showed at 7.30. I'm guessing this maybe had to be shown at 8.30 to see a boob. I don't think you're going to see a boob at 8 o'clock on a, you know, primetime Channel 7. Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to that Mike Goldman? It was a Goldman, the one that did. The, oh, he's still uh, around, Mike Goldman. Oh, he's still Mike doing Goldman. Yeah, yeah. Was he? Did he do <laughs> some stuff for the Channel Seven Big Brother? I'm not too sure, but um, he's. I don't know because he used to do all the all the uncut. Mike Goldman's fantastic. He um he he's. I know he was doing like a podcast or an after show, I think, with that Channel 7 version. But um, he's actually um, around your neck of the woods. He does a lot of uh, MC work. He was doing uh, some voice work. Oh, was it at the Brisbane Raw or maybe the Bullets? He was doing one of the sport grounds announcing. He's still very active. And I highly recommend following Mike Goldman on social media. The guy's a hoot. And I've had a couple of conversations with him. We tried to get him back on the day on when we were covering Big Brother and we just couldn't get going on. But uh, no, Mike Goldman, fantastic. He'd be a good guy to get on Survivor, host Survivor. Well, he, I reckon he'd be good on a, on a Champions versus Contenders. Oh, yeah. yeah. I reckon he would... He would make for some good TV, but uh, but anyway, mate, it's my time. This is my time to shine, Ben. We've oh, got some come on, Matt, bring it to me, mail. mate. I've been I've been champing on for this because it's on the tree again. Can you please point out that they've just fucking stuck it on the tree again? <laughs> oh, they get a little bit better in in this one, but I still want to know who's writing these. But anyway, tree mail. If you're starting to feel a bit jaded, and you think your camp should be upgraded, take a leap and jump real high, catapulting towards the sky. So to ensure you cook for better dinners, make sure your tribe are the winners. Yep. What do you reckon? I mean, it's anything's better than the first episode that you know that guy's <laughs> long being fired. But uh, it's 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 again not going to win any poetry awards. Um, you know what? It's, it's fine. Maybe maybe Winnie was the one that was writing those ones <laughs> in that first episode. In the end, they said, "Fuck, we can't let this bloke do it." So they sacked him, and they said, "Shit, we need Advisor. someone." To- we need someone to to actually play this game for a couple of days. Winnie, you're in, you're, you're now in. <laughs> you know what I actually really like about this section though, and and I want to backtrack slightly with Gabby as well. Gabby, like, she's again, Gabby's never super prominent in this season. Like, she has a couple of moments. She's gonna play a key role in a couple of weeks when it comes to our second, and I'd argue the biggest blindside of this season in a couple of weeks. But um, she at one point in this episode when she's trying to work out what her role is. Her role is to apparently watch Guy Leach take a slash. Um, so are you taking a slash? Oh, <laughs> if you go a bit to the right. But I also love this moment when they read out the tree mail and then basically Gabby's like, oh, we're going to win this because the boys are hungry. Like she just cares about feeding the boys. Like got to love the pleasure machine. Like I, I'm not trying to be mean here and kind of live up to certainly, I think, what the general consensus of Gabrielle Richards is. Because she actually does bring a lot of value to this season on many levels. But she's not really bringing much at the moment besides watching people pee and wanting to make sure the boys are fed. I think she was she was very happy to be on Kukula. Let's just say that. Be on Kukula where you've got some big, strong guys, you know, going out, hunting for food and and, and building the shelter, doing all that stuff. I think... I think she was in her element. I really do. And I think she probably had a great time there. You know, she could she could just 
let the guys sort of do a bit more of that physical work where I, I don't know whether she, if she was in a tribe with just the women and she had to do a bit more, I don't know, maybe, maybe she could have, maybe we're underestimating it, but I think she was exactly where she needed to be to, you know, to go far in his game. And look, she does a great job. And I think she ends up being a, a great, um, a great survivor player. Now, Ben, they turn up to the challenge. What, are you a fan of these teams turning up in like the war paint? We see, we see um, Moso turning up and it was Amber's idea to put the tribal paint on. Are you a fan of that? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm really a fan or not a fan. Like it's not something that I kind of look, it's kind of like last season, how I think you, you didn't like them sort of coming in arm and arm or whatever it was. Like, um, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me either way tri- if I'm being a I don't mind the tribal paint. Like I hated the arm and arm stuff. I don't know. Was, Cla- was Clarence the first one to do it in season three Africa? Was it, did it happen? Oh, that's a good Season one, question. season two. I can't remember it in season two happening. Any tribal no, season two it didn't happen season one the only thing i'm thinking of is when they had the mud challenge and they're all covered in the mud mm. i don't have a random picture of hatch having some paint on his face in mm. one of the challenges may i don't know but you, you definitely write clarence easily in africa but um i don't know like it's 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 interesting like it, it's i, I kind of like the interactions you know like oh what have you got the the paint on or whatever and stuff like that um but uh yeah it doesn't bother either way nothing will ever beat the specialist turning up with the feather in the cat, like that and, and saying he was like a Cherokee, you know. Who, who is Australian survivors, Philip Shepard? Oh, I don't know, but that guy, like he is one in a million. Like he was TV gold, oh, the specialist. But, uh, I tell you one thing, if you ever want to have kooky conversations, mate, like fucking talk. I've, like I've interviewed him a couple of times and I, I, I swear the best stuff is not on the recorded episode. Like that guy is an enigma. He's amazing. I bought his book. I read his book and fuck, that guy's brilliant. It's not not the attempt. Uh, what was the, the Costa Rica job? Uh, the, the um, fuck, yeah. The, the uh, I've got job. one of his books. I'm, I've got one. I've got his book, the Costa Rica job. Never actually read it, but oh, I have bought it. It's not bad. Like it's, 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 it's a story. It's got nothing to do with, but like, there's a point in it where there's clear like survivor reference. Like, I'm telling you now, it made a lot more sense than Sylvan's books. So, you know, that's not that hard, right? Would you say Stevie from my tribe would be probably the closest to just for the fact he was a little? I know it's different, but he was a little bit out there, a little bit eccentric. I mean, yeah, you know, I he was, see where you're going, but fuck, I would say Stephen Bradbury's more Philip <laughs> Philipesque. I'm thinking Dez, but but Dez is. No. Dez is Dez. Um, Tarzan maybe, but like Tarzan's too nice. People like Tarzan. People don't like Philip Shepard in the game. So, yeah. And the one the one thing I'll say about Philip is random tangent, but like all the shit that Philip Shepard gets, one of my takeaways I remember from interviewing Boston Rob once was that Boston Rob like fucking defended the shit out of Philip Shepard. Like you even joke about Philip Shepard being a kook. Boston Rob like shut you down. It's like, no, this guy's like a legend. Like I've got all the time in the world for Philip Shepard. And mm. Boston Rob talks you listen. And mm. that's that's one of these things where I'm like, wow, okay, that kind of blew me away. Wasn't expecting him to do that, but no, Boston mm. Rob is a big advocate for Philip Shepard. Anyway, we digress. Maybe one day we we turn our head to US Survivor archives. Probably <laughs> not. That's Survivor Historians. Download now. Great show. But uh hello to Philip Shepard if he ever listens to this episode. So Ben, the tribe swap. What do you reckon? So we see Justin and Gabby. They become captains. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, those two were the two that entered the game last, so they end up being the captains 
Which I wish Dicko had dropped that little, you know, mm. like I mean, it's obvious why they they they're doing that. But I mean, this is this is one of those things where I think Dicko should be like, you know, you two were the last on the tribe, so you get the option. So it's kind of it's not really explained. So if somebody's picking this up like three episodes mm. in and hasn't watched it, they're not going to know why they these two. Yeah, they wouldn't understand why it was randomly those two. Obviously, but it, it makes sense. Like, look, it's weird watching this you know, 15 years later when we're so used to a tribe swap. Like, I'm at the point now watching Survivor where I just, I want them to not do a tribe swap. Like, fucking just old school this shit up and, because everyone expects this now. So, you know, I'm that old school mentality where I like it now when there's not one. But going back to my point about how this is like a groundbreaking moment in Australian Survivor, um, you know, they don't play this up. Like, I mean, we all remember watching Africa for the first time and kind of like, holy crap, like this is a game changer. And, you know, that w- that moment, whereas this is obviously now sort of six years into Survivor, we're used to this. But kind of going back to my point where I said, like, if you've only ever seen Australian Survivor, this is brand new. Like, if you, you come into this season, you've only ever watched Whalers Way, you've never watched the US version. I'm sure there were people who did. Like this is this is needs to be brought up a little bit more because even the way kind of Dicko is like, all right, Gabby over here and Justin over here, we're gonna switch things up. Like nowadays, this is the drop your buffs moment, right? But like it's kind of just fawned off a little bit. Amber's kind of like, oh, I wasn't expecting this, and Amber, I love Amber's little line there of going like, oh, they told me this was permanent. <laughs> like Amber had no clue what was going on, but um, it's it's interesting, and and I have to say, if you are going to do a tribe swap, I like the schoolyard pick. I'm a much bigger fan of a schoolyard pick than a random draw. Controversial, because I know random draw generally, for the most part, is random, although I question the the uh, the accuracy of that statement on some seasons. All-stars, if you're listening. Uh, but I think that when it comes to schoolyard pick, it makes it interesting, you know? Like, you can get some very lopsided tribes, but I like it, and I like it when it's like boy chooses girl. Yes. The only gripe I have is that Gabby and Justin choose everyone. I wish they had have done the way so that like yeah, the when they person. when you know Amber gets chosen then Amber chooses, yeah. you know, like I think yeah. that's what they should have done. But you're right, I was going to mention that it was good that at least they, they let Gabby go first, but uh, and of course Gabby she's going to be Kakula, so she's going to stay Kakula, Justin's going to stay on Moso. But yeah, they let Gabby choose first, but she ends up with three females on the tribe where what Moso end up only having the the two females on the yeah. tribe if I'm right. Which so, yeah, is is imp- like this is like I mean the new tribes. The sort of you, you basically gave it away. So Kakula, new Kakula is is Wayne, Guy, Gabrielle, Nicole, and Imogen. So obviously, uh, you've kind of outnumbered there Nicole and Imogen on paper at least two original Moso with three Kakula, and then over on new Moso, you've got Fiona, Amber, Elton, Justin, and David. And of course, that means Elton and David are sort of outnumbered there. Which again, like as well as I'm saying this is edited and everything like it's, it's kind of, it's still got that very old school vibe where nothing is really that prominently pointed out. Like if this is channel 10 version, you've got 50 confessionals straight away from imaging going, I'm outnumbered. What am I going to do? Like kind of, it's kind of just passed off slightly, but it's, you're always going to have kind of that uneven dynamic. And, and I like it. What I, what I love about how this happens is like the layers of intrigue with this, which again, it's so subtle and we can sit here 15 years later and talk up how this would be edited differently today. But you look at Moso, you have the two biggest alliances, the power couples we've talked about that a quarter of this season is power couples. You've got Guy and you've got Wayne and you've got Imogen 
and you've got Nicole. And this is this is that interesting episode in like two weeks when we've got like this, you know, Gabrielle in the middle. But then even on Yuka Kula, where it kind of brings into the fact that you've got, you know, Justin and Fiona who are kind of together. You're obviously going to have David and Elton who are kind of, you know, we saw them working together a bit, but it's kind of more of a, you know, they have to for sake. And then you've got Amber who clearly is like, well, what's she going to do? Because she's very pissed off Fiona, but she's going to keep Tribe strong. So I think in in terms of the season, like this swap couldn't have worked out better for the entertainment value. The tribes are somewhat even, you know, it's kind of like we don't get a blowout. I know Kukula are going to go on a bit of a streak soon, but you know, most of get their own back. So yeah, like I, I, I don't know about you, but I think this kind of worked out the best. I, I don't think this could have worked out any better. And it, well, you're right because what, why it worked out brilliantly is because, of course, David Oldfield got picked last and Dicko <laughs> could not help himself. And he said, he, he asked him straight in front of everyone, How does it feel to be the last one picked? Are they sending you a signal? And David just so casually, just so calm, I don't think so. And Dicko's like, What, you don't feel hurt? Yes, no, not at all, really. And then Dicko straight back at him, he's like, I would. Yes. Well, that would be you. It's not me. That, like, that's Dicko, the David Oldfield thug life moment right yeah. there. <laughs> like it, it, it is because Dicko's trying to bait in and, and then Dicko's like, then after that, he's like, he knows he's sort of lost. And he's like, oh, well, good on you. Yeah, go to your tribe, whatever. Good luck. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it is a brilliant little passage of, of conversation there because Dicko's trying to bait in and he wants, you know, he wants David to say something like, you know, say something wrong in front of the rest of the, the, the tribe. But uh, he doesn't. He just keeps his cool. He says, oh, well, that's you, that's not me. And uh, once again, it's, it's David at his best. Well, and there's a line that David says there amongst that when he kind of is calmly saying, like, it doesn't bother me. And he says something like, oh, there's maybe something at play, like the way he kind of alludes to yeah. that. And, like, he's always thinking, isn't he? He's always kind of working out, but he's not showing it. Like, he's not <laughs> panicking. Yeah, he, he just said something about friendships or something. It was, yeah. sort of, I, it was a quick comment. It was sort of hard to hear, but sort of something like there's friendships at play or something like that, I think he says. Um, so, you know, obviously, yeah. And one thing I'll say, like, just the order that they go in, like, so David obviously goes last, but just quickly going through it, um, Gab straight away chooses Guy. And I think kind of, you know, we're still going for physical strength. And, like, Guy's going to be the guy you're going to choose first, no pun intended. Justin goes for Fiona mm. next, which, I mean, clearly they're tight in an alliance. J- Justin... Justin's a calculating dude. Like, Justin's thinking, but again, he's, he's kind of like David in a way that he doesn't show it. And, like, we've said many times that Justin's one of the most intriguing players in Australian Survivor history. He's hard to read, hard to, like, kind of analyse. He's a very interesting character. And even that choice in itself, you know, like, maybe not to me the first one you'd go for, but, hey, he went that way. Gab then chooses Nicole. Uh, Justin then chooses Elton. Uh, Gab then chooses Wayne. Justin chooses Amber and then Gab chooses Imogen and then Justin has to choose David. So that's kind of the, the way they back and forth. I, I mean, I don't know if, you, if you're if you're Justin in that situation. I mean, are you, are you looking at those picks? Like, fair point. Is, is Fiona going to be the first one you choose if you're choosing the females? Yeah, I was actually surprised that he did pick Fiona first. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, she, she probably not because she was a competitor. She was fit. You know, she, she really tried hard in the challenges. So when I thought about it, I thought actually it was probably a smart pick for him to go Fiona just simply because, you know, she, I, I think she w- was always going to give 100% in challenges and, and really what more can you ask for when, when you're picking a team? 
It's it's a look. It's that conflict level. Like I would be looking at is the fact that Fiona's causing conflict. Do I choose her because she's an easy vote out? I'm not really close with her anyway, and maybe this is going to work out this way. Or you know, do I choose you know someone else with that? But like, I think kind of because your, your other options obviously are going to be Imogen, Nicole, or Amber. And I, I mean, we haven't really seen Justin. Like yes, a few conversations I think with Amber. Like obviously, it would have been completely different if Kim was still around, of course, because you know we know Justin and Kim were close. But um, it's it's like again, Justin's just such a unique guy that kind of even after this week, kind of when he's he's on the outs, he should be an easy vote out next week. Spoiler alert, he's not. So it's kind of it's 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 unique what what plays out with Justin. But um, no, yeah, it's it's interesting tries. And we go straight into the challenge, and you've touched on it a couple of times, Matt. Good challenge. I like a good, what is it called? The the basket stomp. Um, and continuing on this trend, as I've constantly said, I don't think there's a done challenge this season. And uh, I enjoyed the basket stomp. And also, I like the fact that they turn this into a reward with what they're stomping on is what you win. Like, generally, this is what sandbags, yes. right? This yeah. is like a fucking can of Spam and like a yeah. bag of rice. <laughs> like, that makes it a bit interesting. I mean, th- this challenge has been around for well for two decades now in Survivor. It really is a staple of Survival. The old you know, jump on a plank, you've kind of got to adjust the plank because you've got to get the item. Like you said, normally it's a sandbag. This time it's the food that you're trying to, you know, whatever food you get in, you, you basically win um, and you're trying to get it in the basket above you. And um, it, it really is. I think it's such an easy, cheap, basic challenge, but it's a good Survivor challenge. And that's why... Yeah, you know, it's lasted the test of time, and and, and you know we'll, we'll be around in Survivor for a long time to come because it is a good Survivor challenge. Note to Whalers Way staff listening once again: cheap, simple challenge, fucking bags in a basket, not measuring sticks and <laughs> stuff like that. One thing actually, too, I've got to point out: I do love it when Gad chooses Nick, and we get a bit of a dick dicko moment of sometime today would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Gotta love hey, a dick dicko moment. But um the, the, well, the moment with David in this challenge when uh, just before like we get to the challenge. All right, sorry, yes, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, just before we get to the challenge, they also win a, the winner gets a kitchen. Yeah, oh that's well just why not? Why wouldn't you win what, a kitchen? Is that it's like you you win the food, you win your spam, you all that and you win a kitchen. Yeah, I mean again, I mean, not the strong when, suit this season of, of the, the rewards they get. Three episodes well, in you win a fucking kitchen. Well, I was going to say what we're still on day six here. Yeah. We've already we've already fish seen feast. beds, beds, fish beds. feast beds have been one that they ended up chopping down for some reason. Anyway, we've now got a kitchen. I, I can't recall ever has there ever been a kitchen one. Next week you win a fucking on seat suite. The week on- after you, you win a man cave. I mean, this is this is the the one thing I think I can't defend of this season where people sort of say like this isn't a real season. I mean. There's obviously a bit of a carrot dangled in front of these people to get them on there with the money. And, and then, like, you know, to keep it slightly interesting, if you're going to make them sleep on the ground and stuff like that, like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll compromise by a, a bed's your second reward, a kitchen's your third reward. Like, it's, I see why they're doing it, but like, I just, it's, it, this is like kind of what irks you about when they share awards. Like, I don't like the, and Channel 10 is guilty of this too. I feel Channel 10 give big rewards too early like early on it's fishing line it's flint it's it's a blanket or choose between a blanket and extra bag of rice like i don't want to see a decent food reward until at least like five six episodes in because to me like 
like I don't know about you, Matt. I mean, you were out there for a couple of days, and so I mean, again, we've talked about this before in terms of like the starvation aspect and things like that. Mm. If I'm playing Survivor, part of me wanting to experience that is I want to go how long I can go without eating a decent meal. I want to get to the auction on day 25 and feel like it's worth it to get one fucking fry. Like not like three days in when like I've barely digested my last meal that I'm still straight there. That's the experience to me. You nailed it on the head. Day 25 is a key. That would, that day 25 should be the, and obviously this is only a 25 day game. So it kind of wouldn't work out, but Really, in Survivor, yeah, day 25 is when you really should be getting your first proper food, you know, big food reward. Um, but in saying that, with this kitchen, it ends up being great for David Oldfield because he ends up using it because he ends up being a great cook and it ends up helping his game, which is great. I'll just say this. Obviously, we interviewed Kim Johnson and she was she was mentioning that before she went, you know, turned up in Vanuatu that she thought that they she kind of got lied to and they said that they're going to have all this extra stuff for it. Well, if she stuck around, she probably would have good she would have got the bed. She would have got the kitchen. I mean, in the end, they probably would have had a house for her and <laughs> she's sitting up on the deck watching the, the sunset. She says a fucking backdoor pilot for house rules. <laughs> like, and he's <here's laughs> Joanna Griggs and she's going to help you build a bloody deck. Um, <laughs> Dicko hosted that show. He did do like some random renovation show at some point in Channel 7. But um, yeah, I mean, whatever. You get a kitchen, sure. But like, I mean... I, I love this challenge at that point when, like, David Oldfield's, like, full-on being a strategist with the way he gets his thing there. And even this is where we get the Oldfield, isn't it? This is where yeah. Dico says, like, strategist Oldfield. Um, and also, like, we talk about um, Gabby's place. Like, outside of Gabby kind of just doing what Gabby's doing, she's getting bagged out by Dico constantly. And I get a bit of a feeling Wayne Gardner's still not a fan of Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just abusing this. Come on, Gabby. Listen, oh. put it on the end. Oh, it's so good. And, and yeah, I love a bit bit later on you get Guy and, and, and Wayne sort of have coming up with a plan for Gabby too, which I can't, I'm looking forward to talking about. But you're right. I don't, I don't know where that relationship sits with, with uh, Wayne and Gabby. It's an interesting one. Which you mentioned Guy. Um, just quickly, this is the only episode in which Guy Leach does not get a confessional. I just wanted to, to point that out. And he's actually, him and Justin and Nicole, three people this episode don't get confessionals. Um, and it's interesting, David, David didn't get any last episode, but he's got five this week. Uh, we next week have two players who get 10 confessionals each. 20 of the 34 confessionals next week come from two players. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I won't spoil it for you, but that, that, that's uh, you actually surprising. Oh, I think I know who one of them would be, mm. but um, one of them probably Amber. But um, um, I'll say this though: it, that actually surprises me that guy didn't get a confession. I actually hadn't noticed that. So that's a, it's a good little pickup there. Yeah. Um, because considering he's the winner, and considering that he's out of the game for what. 10 days or however long, you know, eight days Three or however episodes. long he's out. Yeah. yeah. Um, you'd think that then because he ends up being a winner that they would make sure they got in confessionals in every episode. But, you know, he, he here at episode three, he doesn't get one and it's not too much longer. He ends up getting out of the game for, like you said, three episodes. That's that's actually a good little pickup there. Well, he, um, he doesn't even finish in the top four. Uh, for total confessionals this season, he is only no. Hang on, not even he's sixth. 
overall for confessionals this season. So um, a halfway point for the winner of this season, um, which is interesting. But um, yeah, it, it is. I mean, you know, it's it's not uncommon for the winner to not get any confessionals uh, of their season. I mean, Rob didn't get any in the first episode last season. Christy goes a few episodes without getting confessionals. Uh, I'm sure each of the winners, probably except for the Golden God, probably went without confessionals. Please, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But um, yeah, it's it is kind of a unique thing that Guy doesn't get. And Justin, I feel. Justin got one this episode. I, mean, well, I was just dreaming. I knew Nicole. Like as soon as this episode finished, I was like, "Wow, we didn't really see Nicole this week at all." No. Um, yeah. Even here, like we don't see a lot of Imogen, but just after the challenge, we um. Stop. Well, it's important. I think going back to my point about Imogen, what she had that little moment. She has a good confessional here, but we should mention Moso wins, of course, uh, yeah. two in a row for for Moso. But when they when they go back to the beach here and they kind of start sort of you know meeting and chatting, like Imogen's confessional where. You know, she's talking about, like, nobody's feeling safe. It's pretty daunting and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's just something, like, when I, when I edited her Hall of Fame video together, like, she was one of the most difficult ones to put together because she didn't really have those flashy confessions. She didn't really have anything too much talking about strategy. But, like, there's just a way that Imogen delivers what she says where you can kind of see where she's coming from. It's kind of like she's saying things without saying them, if that makes sense. Like... Imogen's not going to be in your face. Like I want to vote this person. I want to vote that person out. But like, she does it in a way when she's telling a story where you can understand where she's coming from. And, you know, it it is interesting that you don't see a lot from her, but again, you still feel you get some substance from Imogen. And I think, again, that's props to the editors of, of this episode and of this season. Uh, Because Imogen is one of, is she the only one who gets a confessional in every one of her episodes? Uh, No. Well, Kim does, Ben does, Fiona does, Amber does, Wayne does. And Gabrielle does. So that's it. Uh, Imogen gets, of, of the, all the final three, spoiler alert, she gets a confessional in every episode. Justin and Guy do not get a confessional in every episode. So there you go. Well, I mean, I suppose seeing they weren't in every episode as well, that kind of... True. Yeah, that, that is... <laughs> That is right. Again, spoiler alert. I guess it's not really spoiler alert. You, you, if you're listening to this, we've said, said worse than there. But um, I... We, 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 sorry, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking of getting back to the camp and we're, we're meeting everyone. It's great. Fantastic. Get back to Moso and we, we meet a new tribe member, Matt. We have this, uh, <laughs> idol. Is that Ben? It's got about the same amount of personality as Ben head on a stick. Um, but I, you know what I actually really like about this moment is Elton. Elton comes in and he puts his footy down and he's like, oh yeah, we met a, we met a new thing here. It was like an idol or something. Yeah. All right. Sure. <laughs> like, fucking I love he, call, he calls so it like much. a, he goes, oh, it's like a shrine or an yeah. icon. He, he, he's a, I'm like, Wait, what is it? I mean, it's, it looks like that Wilson off that movie <laughs> passed away, you know, but but like yeah. in a coconut. And they've We've like, not oh. seen this before though. Like this is just kind of like it's popped up. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. Um, and it is funny though, like in here, he obviously got Fiona telling Elton, yeah, make an offering, come on us. And Elton, he's, I think he's all confused. He doesn't even know where the hell he is, you know, and uh, he's, got, ball. 
He's getting hit in the head with. The, he's got a concussion. He's getting hit in the head with like he does in rugby. Doesn't coconut. But David Oldfield here, please talk him up here because like this is where he gets that great confessional where he's like Fiona's very earthy and spiritual, and this is when he drops his metrosexual confessional. Which I, you know, what I weirdly remember, like I know I didn't watch this season when it was on, but I must have seen a promo for this because I, I weirdly remember like them avid like putting this on an ad, like oh here's David Oldfield, like and he drops his line about I'm a conservative, typical Aussie bloke but i'm also a bit metrosexual um so which 2006 yeah. matt dyson metrosexual was the thing right david beckham you know they I, I openly admitted i was a metrosexual in 2006 that was a thing to do back then i don't know if you were a bit metro back then i was probably a bit everything back then but it, <laughs> it, it's funny how he says here I, i'm your typical conservative aussie bloke you think so you think he's going down one path and then he goes with maybe a little bit of metrosexual <laughs> thrown in on the side that's what he's looking like how good is this bloke? I want I want to <sighs> see David Oldfield with like the the Beckham hairstyle circa 2006. Like I've been rocking that hairstyle for 15 years. I haven't even changed it. But um yeah, I mean god, I, pff, metrosexual David Oldfield. There's there's something I'm sure that everybody watching this didn't. I wonder if Paul Hansen watched this season and thought, "Oh, there's <laughs> David." There's, you know, that's actually the the biggest thing I want to get from the David Oldfield interview. I want to know what Pauline Hanson thought of him on this season. Yeah, yeah. Well, Did she yeah. ring him up and go, please explain? <laughs> that, well, I'm sure it will come up, no doubt. But uh, actually, this is good too because David, because obviously he, he's now in Moso, so he's picking up straight away that um, Fiona is a type of person you could easily get into an argument with. And let's be honest, David Oldfield, he would have got into plenty of debates and arguments and stuff um, being a politician. So he he knows a personality. And if you remember from the first two episodes, he's actually mentioned Fiona. Like I think at one stage Fiona wasn't clapping. She wouldn't take yep. the food and all that stuff. And David Oldfield actually made a comment about her being a bit, you know, oh, she, you know, a bit standoffish. And now he's in the tribe with her. And straight away, the, one of the first things he's saying is, oh, I think I could get easily get into an argument with this woman. It, you know, and it would have been interesting if these two stayed on a tribe for, you know, a long period of time together. But this is where I think it's so important to give so much props to David Oldfield. And, you know, you talked a lot about another David last season being ahead of his time. But David Oldfield is beyond years ahead of his time here because, you know, he you're right. Like he was picking up on this when he wasn't even on the tribe with her. But he's straight away like... He's basically saying like, yeah, I would get into an argument with this woman. It would be so easy. But then he doesn't and he talks with her. And then he basically, he works out straight away that like, he, I mean, Blind Freddy can see that him and Elton are in trouble here. But he's using that to his advantage because he talks to Amber. He can see obviously there's a bit of conflict going on here. And he basically just goes straight to Amber and like talks to Amber. He's cooking like, you're not going to get rid of the chef. Like you're 100% right. He makes his moist risotto or whatever the hell it is and eating spam and all this kind of stuff. Like fucking Justin Melby's jizzing all over the place, eating some spam here. It's great. Also, how good is spam? I haven't had spam in a while. Do, but, do, um, do, you, reckon it, do you reckon it was the last time Australian Survivor had a, a moist risotto cooked for him? Uh, the one uh, and only time. And and that's all we need, right? Uh, but, but like David Oldfield is in his element. Like this is combines everything we're talking about with him and you summed it up perfectly when it said it's this travesty that he wasn't on all stars because i i would see david oldfield on modern survivor doing exactly the same and getting yeah. away with it uh, of course absolutely yep he'd in be a, there he'd heartbeat. be taking that yep 
he'd be taking that role, he'd be keeping people happy. And this is another thing, we haven't really sort of mentioned this, that going into a game of survival, especially when people know who you are, the hardest thing, to, it's a harder thing to do in life is to change, um, you know, someone's sort of thoughts about about you, you know, like, you know, the, the people, they, they meet you, they make an assumption of who you are and it's hard to change people's mind about who you are. They, he was going into that game. Everyone knew who David Oldfield was with being a politician. But, you know, so he was sort of probably a little bit on the outs at the start. But, but what, a week into this game, he's totally changed everyone's minds about who he is. And, and, and that's credit to David. You know, that would have been hard to do, to, change, to get people to change their opinion about you. And he does it with everyone. In the end, like, they all love him. Which, you know, the biggest thing that is always fascinating with this, like, the very first episode, it's dropped David Oldfield, you know, like, founder, co-founder of, of One Nation. And, like, for anybody who's listening to this, not in Australia, like, I mean, it's not on the same level. I felt like I compared this to Trump in, like, our first episode. It's, it's not on the same level. But just as in a context factor, there's that word again. If in, in five years' time we had a contestant on US Survivor and that was like, you know, campaigner on the Trump campaign 2016. You've got that certain, like straight away you hear that you formed an opinion on them. Like it, it doesn't matter if that person cures cancer. Like you, you hear the words, you know, worked with Donald Trump, boom. Like you, you formed an opinion. That is what it's like hearing the words co-founder of One Nation. And, and, and this isn't me getting political and, and saying like, don't support One Nation. Like your beliefs are your beliefs. It's, it is what it is. But, like, One Nation had that kind of poison chalice with it that is always stuck with One Nation. And Pauline Hanson has had that kind of poison chalice with it It's always stuck with her. And that's where I'm surprised they don't play that up more in this season outside of the very first episode of One Nation co-founder David Olford. I don't even think it's mentioned at all in the rest of the season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, yeah, he's mentioned he's a politician, but... Like, if this was modern Survivor, again, you're going to have people going, you founded One Nation, Pauline Hanson is a racist, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're going to have conflict. And whether that comes down to these people don't give a shit, the editors don't give a shit, or David Oldfield is just so good and, and puts it behind him, you know, that he doesn't want to bring this up, it's it's amazing that that doesn't come up at any point. And I can't imagine that happening in modern Survivor now, that if you've got that Trump person on the thing, it's going to come out. Like... Again, sort of related but not related. Fucking Brandon Hans on South Pacific when it comes out that he's a Hans. What comes out straight away? The fuck you're related <laughs> to Russell? Like it comes out straight away. So I don't know if you think too much about that, but it's it's oh, fascinating that that does not get brought up. It is, but I suppose on the same part, I mean, One Nation had a big following as well. So True, I mean, true. But you it's, know, it's, it's the mainstream aspect of that where it's like... It, it, mainstream, yeah. And I guess that's what we're... we're I mean, that the fact that he was for One Nation, it makes him an easy target for people to, you know, because like I said, they had a big support base and, and he was doing nothing wrong being no. a part of One Nation. But and you're right, it's the mainstream and the fact that he, it's an easy, it's easy for people to make a comment on him just for the fact that he's he was a co-founder of One Nation. And, and that's, and that like, uh, to that point, exactly, like I am the type of person that like, and I would assume a lot of, most people are like this, that like, I, I don't care what your background or what you've done or what this sort of stuff. If you're in that situation, like to me, nothing from that affects me meeting you. Mm. If, if I met you right now and I formed a friendship and whatever, and then I later found out that you 
fucking, you know, chopped cats' heads off for fun and spent 10 years in jail for it and you fucking hate the Carlton Football Club, you think there's, you know, whatever. Like, I didn't know that before I knew you, so why should that change my opinion? I only know you for you. And whole other episode, whole other topic of conversation, that to mm. me is what is a, one of the many things that's wrong with today is that people automatically take something from mm. someone's past, form an opinion, boom, I'm not going to like you. That's a whole different kettle of fish. And that is, I think, kind of the good thing about them not bringing this up because, again, whether you, uh, you support One Nation, you believe in this, and, like, I know from the brief things I've seen of David Oldfield on some of the other reality shows he's appeared on, I think it was that cooking show there was a big thing brought up about his past, and I think when he was on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, it was all touted, like, oh, founded One Nation, controversial statement, you know, racist David Oldfield, all this kind of crap that comes with it. And, like... Maybe this is just a better time we lived in in 2006 where this doesn't have to... I can watch David Oldfield as a survivor player and not have to have my opinion formed on him because he formed One Nation. Like, mm. I don't give two fucking shits if he formed One Nation. To me, he's a fucking brilliant survivor player. That's all I care about. And I think it's a credit to to Channel 7 and to David Mason and everyone behind the scenes with the editing and all that, that they didn't harp on that, that yeah. here is a great survivor player. You know, he's a politician. He plays a great role in survivor of being the politician. He's a good talker. You know, he, he's done nothing wrong being a part of one nation at the end of the day. Like, I personally don't think he's racist. And we're, we're certainly not implying on this podcast that he's racist simply because he was a part of one nation. Um, but um, you know, I think it was, you know, these days, I think shows, TV shows, they're always looking for that little bit of wow factor. Yeah. And he would be an easy target for them to possibly give him an edit, like, you know, a bad edit to do with the fact that, oh, well, you're in One Nation, people, this will be a good little, you know, we can make him look bad, blah, blah, blah. So I actually think it's a credit to Channel 7 and the production team behind Celebrity Survivor that, yep, they mentioned at the start, they move on, he's now just a politician and he ends up being a great Survivor player. And... And there might have been an element that they were hoping that some of this would come out, cause a bit of, you know, controversy in that, but mm. it, it ultimately didn't. So they've got not, they don't have that to focus on. So let's just focus on him being a, a good player. It's kind of like with Heidek. Like, I mean, it, it emerged later that he did porn mm. and it was kind of like people had a differing opinion of him now that, oh, fuck, he's done porn. Well, we've got to change our opinions of him now. Like, I mean, who cares? Who hasn't done porn? Um <laughs> Where did that come from, Ben? You're not meant to be speaking the truth out here. But uh, it, it's 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 a credit. Like, yeah, you're right. I think it is. And and but I mean, this is you know, you've got David having these great confessionals. He's he's providing. He's doing every like we we talk about having an MVP of every episode. I mean, David Olford's a clear winner this week with 100. Yeah. percent Um, but yeah. <laughs> Elton does add in a little bit here in a confessional, I believe it is, where he's he's a, he's a little worried about David being such a good cook that it makes Elton doesn't feel safe, that he thinks, well, he, he, they're outnumbered. The original two Kakula members are outnumbered three to two with the with the Moso, original Moso players. And he knows it was shit. You know, David's a good cook. Um, he, Elton thinks he's in a little trouble. Elton can make friends with the little... Uh... The little stick Ben there, you know, basically <laughs> uh, Winnie, Winnie on the stick, you know. Now, now, now Ben, we hit day seven. We Can do. You believe it? Seven days in Celebrity Survivor with the, the week. It's been and, a week. Uh, where are we up to? We hit Kakula. She, she uh, doesn't like the fact that Gabby doesn't like the fact that they had to change it up and that there's now girls on her try. That is interesting, isn't it? That 
that it's taken a week. Gabby's now on a tribe with females. And like this, we've we've often said this, you know, what would it have been like for Gabby to be in Survivor with other females? But now we actually get to see it and it creates a little good, well, it goes on to the next couple of episodes. Well, she's with two other women, you know, what's going to happen? Is she going to go with the women or is she going to stick with, with the original tribe members who were men? Well, one thing I just, before I answer that, one thing I just quickly read my notes, one thing that I forgot to mention that I love David Oldfield moment is when they did swap tribes just before the challenge when he shouts out that death to Kakula little thing that he, he said earlier <laughs> and I forgot to, forgot to mention that. Um, that was good. You're right. I know we talked a bit about Gabby um, in recent episodes about how she, you know, is that type of woman who who fits in with guys better, you know, because she can flirt a bit. She feels a bit comfortable and sort of, you know, we, we mainly you, I should say, talked up the fact that that's not a bad thing. Like, you know, that's a good strategic thing. She can get in tight. And there are definitely women and men who work better on opposite sex that way. I mean, poverty is a classic example of that. You know, poverty is able to use what she had to get through and it worked very well for her. I'm no way saying that Gabrielle Richards is poverty levels, but, you know, you know where I'm getting with that. But it's, it is interesting to kind of see that. And it, what fascinates me with this is that it's the build-up to what will eventually happen on new Kukula because they kind of tease next week that next week's kind of like, Oh, you know, what will Gabby decide when it's realistically two weeks away? But I mean, she is a big decision with this. And again, I would find this very different. If she was with maybe Elton and David, I think it's different. It's because she's with Wayne and Guy that maybe like if you'd split up Wayne and Guy, it's maybe different. Cause like, I don't, when you've got Wayne Gardner who really doesn't like her and the guy hasn't exactly, you know, been super complimentary to her either. It hasn't been that bad either, but you know, I think kind of it's different. So like, I think that helps sway Gabby's ultimate decision because I also feel that Imogen's a type of person that Gabby's going to get along well with. And then Nicole gets along with everyone because she's fucking mm. Nicole. So I think kind of that helps sway her. And I think this would have been very different had Kakula lost the immunity and they'd gone straight to tribal. I, I don't know if Guy or Wayne, you know, um, sorry, Imogen or Nicole survive as much because, you know, Gabby doesn't have as much time to sort of work and learn Imogen and Nicole. But it is, again, going back to my point where I think this, this tribe swap is the perfect way because it really does kind of help Gabby sort of just get out of that comfort zone of just being around the boys and kind of learning a little bit more. And this is where I'll give props to Gabby, where I know I'm jumping ahead a couple of episodes here, but, you know, where she's able to kind of work this out, that this is the best move, I think, for her long term. Um, So, yeah, and, like, I think that works out the best when we get Gabby and Justin together because, like, obviously we couldn't have Gabby and Justin together at this point because they were the captains. That was never going to happen. And that's kind of another important little alliance that I don't... That gets overlooked in this season when it comes down to the two power couples. Uh, obviously, Gabby and Justin is a little bit more controversial because of kind of what's going on there, and we'll talk a lot about that. But, yeah, long, long-winded answer to your point is I think Gabby is a unique position that kind of works, and I like seeing her with some girls here and, you know, how that's going to play out for her. And, and this is credit to Guy and Wayne too. Like they're they're worried that oh you know she, she could go off with the women here. So you see Guy and Wayne they're sort of talking on the beach and they actually say like do do we need to plan? Should we stop giving Gabby attention to get you know to get her nose out of joint with the, you know the where she's thinking well if I'm not getting the if the other girls are getting more attention maybe I should get rid of one of the girls and you know so that's actually you know like it's good to see that Guy and Wayne they're. They think, I mean, Guy especially, like he's always thinking how to get himself further in this game all the time. 
And uh, so they're thinking about that straight away, which I thought was was pretty cool on their behalf. I want to correct you, Matt Dyson. It's actually Wayne and Leachy. Did you not hear <laughs> Wayne's confessional? We've got Leachy here. So please refer to him as Leachy from now on. Can, Thank you. Can we do that from now on? Leachy. Leachy. That's uh, Leachy, mate, mate. Le- mate, mate. Name's Leachy, mate, mate, mate. Fucking mate, mate, mate. Does, Leachy, Leachy, mate. Yep. Does, does Dicko ever call him Leachy? I don't think Cause, he does. Because if Dicko doesn't call him Leachy, I'm sorry. I That's can't true. Call him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, d- if, if like Oldfield might be the only one in uh, yeah. that gets the Dicko stamp of surname appeal. Right. You know, yeah. like. That's um that's a big call right there. So you're right, no, like sorry Wayne Gardner, I know you're a, a world champion, but you're not Dicko levels of dropping the last name. So yeah, I have to rescind the leechiness. <laughs> oh, so good. But so keeping good. the winnie. We're keeping the winnie. Oh, but that's that's forever. Let, bloody bloody that little, bloody winnie. That little shrine thing that we that, that Elton <laughs> didn't know what that's winnie. that that's Winnie. That's Winnie. What well, that's can Winnie. we point out here, we, we, we move back to Moso. We've talked naked Fiona once we get naked Fiona again now correct me if I'm wrong I don't remember if we talked much to Amber about this but maybe we did we'll bring it up to her again in a couple of weeks but is this like the most awkward strategy talk ever in Survivor because I don't know if you're watching Amber here and her way she's like sitting as Fiona, Fiona Fiona's like free spirit Fiona fucking is naked at, at Woolies she doesn't care and Amber's just like mm-hmm yep mm, yep put some so fucking I- clothes on <laughs> I'm just, I'm just picturing it right. So me and you on Survivor together, you know, they do like a, a fans one, fans versus favorites, whatever. We're, we we end up being on it, right? You're We're on there. the fans. I'm on the favorites, right? That's right, of course. <laughs> you take me down to the, to, to the little water, you know, the waterfall. Yep. We're sitting there, and next second, I'm sitting there. I'm in my, in my, in my, my trunks, and I look over, and you're sitting there with your slug out, <laughs> naked. Just like full, I'm talking about full Ben Waterworth slug just out. I don't know if I could sit there and and talk strategy with you. I don't know if I could. Like, I certainly couldn't keep a straight face. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, okay, reverse it. Reverse it. I take you down to the down to the water. Next second, you turn your back for two seconds. You turn around. I'm sitting on the rock with my slug out. I'm probably going. Hanan's a lucky woman. Um, <laughs> Going, it's you live man by name, man by very much nature. There it is. You shouldn't have been first boot. Oh, now we, we did actually talk to Amber about this. I won't say we'll, we'll wait till we get her back on ASA and we'll discuss this again because it is an interesting point. And Amber did have a bit to say about it. Um, she remembered it quite well about that whole them two going down to to the water. But um, yeah, it's um, look okay. How about this? Is the second time that we've seen Fiona Horn naked, the nipples, the bosoms. Do people still say bosoms? They did in 2006. <laughs> <laughs> it was the olden days, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to, okay, Ben, I'm trying to put myself back in 2006. So that's just me. I'm in the zone here. I'm trying to bring myself to 2006. And apparently back then I said bosoms. But the, yep. can, okay, this is the second topic. Can, can you have too much bosoms in an episode? I don't know. Look, no. Um, but I mean, it's still like. <laughs> It's still kind of like a, a double take, isn't it? You're like, you know, whoa, okay, there they are again. But because um, I mean, I think like, oh. I, I mean, nudity in Survivor is like, you know, <laughs> peanut butter and jam. I mean, God, the, the first taste of Survivor we all had was Richard Hatch, you know, slonging it oh, out every five seconds. Geez. But it's, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of just lost with the word bosom again. But one thing I'll say about this, this sequence, like the awkwardness of it, but like props to Fiona for just kind of sitting down and talking to Amber, right? And like, I understand props to Amber for listening. Like Amber could just simply like, I've, I've had enough. I've had a jack here. But like, because, and this is comes back to what my point about this is a well-edited episode because you need to have these little teasers, these little carrots as a viewer. We need to be going, oh, what's going to happen here? And we get that perfectly here just before we go into the immunity challenge because we've got Amber here basically going like, you know, I'm torn if we lose. I don't know what to do. And that's that's to me a perfect survivor little edit there. It's because we need to be kept second guessing. So Fiona is obviously trying to work out the problems. Fiona knows that there are three here. And what does she call Justin? She calls Juzzy. So we've got Juzzy and Leachy. So, uh, you know, very Australian season with the nicknames, of course. But, um, you know, and I like that. I like kind of the fact that they've – because we don't really see Amber and Fiona conflict anymore, do we? So it's almost like they're working it out and Amber's just sort of torn from this point on of like, well, what do I do here? So I like this little carrot. I like this little dangling bit just before – and when I say dangling bit, awkward when we're talking about nudity. But um, that we, we move on now to the immunity challenge. Can I – on a side note, Matt Dyson um, – are you aware that a certain US Survivor contestant has an OnlyFans? Are you are you privy to this information? Uh, neg- okay, I I not. Um, <laughs> okay, how many times has this player played? Give me a hint. I'm not sure. Before I do that, because it will give it away when I say it. Um, Don't tell me it's Russell. Yeah. Oh God, no! Like I wouldn't be sharing that information now. I'm just trying to think if any Australian survivor who would be the first to have OnlyFans would it be Fiona? Maybe. Maybe. Um, they are a four-time player of of Survivor, so that might help you out a little bit. Oh, and, and it's a it's a female. It's a male. It's a male. A male mm. four-time player. It's not Rupert, sadly. <laughs> but, oh wow! Okay, a male. isn't there only one? Isn't there only one other? Don't tell me it's player? like Aussie or someone. It's Aussie, yeah. Aussie, yeah. Aussie really? has an OnlyFans. So. And Ben, tell me more about it. What sort of content? Well, it's five dollars a month. It's fantastic. Oh, you should check it out. No, it's, um, I was going to say you obviously you've obviously subscribed. So what's well, is it good content? The, is it worth thing, my five dollars a month? I think that people are shocked with is that not that I have a vast knowledge of OnlyFans. Let's be honest, I have a vast knowledge of OnlyFans. <laughs> I'm the number one subscriber. I, I have a site. Check out OnlyFans.com forward slash Ben oh, It's fantastic. Um, on his personal Twitter account, often when people have an OnlyFans. They will have a, like a, a life on social media and then they're silent. I, I legitimately worked with a girl who now has an OnlyFans and she has like her, her personal day-to-day social media and then she has her like OnlyFans side of things. And Aussie doesn't keep them separate. So if you're following Aussie on Twitter, it's kind of like day goes by, don't vote for Trump, enjoying my soda, whatever. Hey guys, I have an OnlyFans with this like picture of him basically with two women sucking his, you know He's, what, and naked okay, Aussie. So, yeah, it's in so your I face. I have no there. idea about this. So that okay. So does that mean that he? Do you reckon now CBS would wouldn't allow him to go back on Survivor because of it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, Aussie. I guess this isn't really new for Aussie. I don't know why we're talking about. it. I don't know why I brought this up. We're talking. Well, about I, know, I think it's interesting because. Um, well, it's he he did sort of porn before he went on Cook Islands because he was on Playboy TV. So, like, he was nude on, like, Playboy TV. So, and, like, he was on it, you know. But this is, like, hardcore stuff. This isn't just, you know, getting out of a hot tub with his schlong hanging out. I mean, this is, like, how you doing, ladies? Come on in and uh, do you want to see what you're playing for? Um, yeah. You've just, you've just given me a great idea. I love, you're a genius. 
I'm going to look up. I'm going to get onto this OnlyFans. Apparently, you dabble in it, so you have to tell me where I'm <laughs> I'll going give to you go a staff discount. Yeah, but um, possibly we could find Benjamin Wynn on OnlyFans. Does he have an OnlyFans account? <laughs> Wynn, he's got an OnlyFans. <laughs> imagine that. Imagine that if we end up finding Ben Wynn through OnlyFans. The guy's got content. He's got he's got an OnlyFans account. But you know what? If it if, even if it's fifty dollars a month, I'll pay it just to get in contact with him. That would be the most boring porn ever created. Like, so it's come just on. pictures. Is it just pictures? I don't know. No. There's pictures. There's videos. There's fucking. You know, bring out your dead. There's everything. Do you like? There. Do you like how I'm making? I don't know anything about. Only yeah. Fans. No. Uh, what is OnlyFans? Shit. Delete subscription. Hanan's gonna listen to this. Shit. Get aware of it. Um. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I love how we go off onto these little rants and they end well, up oh, so good. this is the politician side of things, right? And uh, after that brief word from our sponsors at OnlyFans, let's get into the immunity <laughs> challenge. <laughs> just one last thing. So we all, just to wrap up this little part of it, if if there was going to be two guys down in this episode, like we, we saw obviously Fiona naked and, and the awkward moment where she takes down Amber, if it was the other way around, if it was two males, would, would it be... Possibly Leachy, like Leachy being naked and, and Wayne just sitting there. Elton and Leachy. Because I think like Elton, yes. Elton would come yes. from the, the locker room like fucking there. I mean, I've I've been into a rugby locker room to do interviews and it's just, it's all out. Like there it is. Mm. Cool. Sweet. There it, there you go. Mm. Concentrate in your interview. Um, and, and, you know, like it's kind of that. And like, I don't know if it's out like that with motorcycle. I don't really think you get off your bike and come on, boys, let's hit the showers. Like, I mean, I think it's a yeah, bit different. So it is, it is quite funny. It's depending on which sports. Like, obviously, I play a lot of cricket and there was never really that, like, that culture of in the change room getting, you know, down naked and going to the showers. It's just not like, not in any, I've been in a lot of teams. I've never had that culture. You, you do see it in rugby, I'm sure AFL rugby but you just in in cricket and it's funny a couple of years ago i was playing and we had this english guy come over and he just come to england come over from england and uh he played his first game we had the change rooms and all that and literally like yeah we've known this guy for like two minutes you know he puts his bag down as the game's about to start and like we're sort of getting ready we look up and here's his english spoke just like full naked like i'm talking about and like <laughs> the, the the whole thing's just out like i'm like i'm like you know, 30 centimetres away from him trying to get the pads on or whatever. And I've just got this, you know, English penis, you know, and it was just like nothing had happened. And it's just funny. It made me laugh because we had a, we had a joke about it later and he's become a really good mate now. And we've actually had a massive joke about it now. And he was just saying like for him in, in England, that was this culture. Everyone did it where it's funny in, in Australia, like, well, cricket, the cricket I've been involved in. Um, yeah. There wasn't that culture of just stripping down, getting naked, but um I don't know how we got onto this, Ben, but Look, I the like things it. we I'm learn like on looking. ASA, I, I, I am blown away. It's great. People tune in to hear two, you know, well-respectable, one well-respected gentleman in the first boot um, talking about <laughs> Survivor. And here we are talking about uh, OnlyFans and English penis. So, yeah, why not? The funny, uh, just before, the funny thing was this guy was hung like, You've never seen. But anyway, let's move on. Should have an OnlyFans in. That was actually the funny. was actually yeah. That was actually the funny thing about it. This it was yeah. It was an eye opener. Anyway, where are we up, Ben? Where are we up to? The Where's the immunity challenge, Matthew Dyson? Yeah. Uh, Dicko's in a collared shirt. And he's talking about Prison Break Survivor, so which I have to say, clever little uh, subtle marketing for a Channel Seven show there, Dicko. Good job. You earned your mm-hmm. check that week. 
Now they call this, they call it, they actually have a name for this one. They call it prison break. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's the subtle, like, yeah. I mean, he, he could have thrown in this week's challenge will get you lost Thursdays, 8.30 on channel seven. <laughs> and if you are desperate, like a housewife, Thursdays, 9.30 on Channel 7. <laughs> like, I mean, brilliant marketing. He dropped Prison Break, which I think was a pretty big show back in 2006. So, you know, it worked. Yeah, I'm seeing all of Prison Break. Good show. but Did um, they break out of prison, Matt? Spoiler alert. I think they, they broke out about four prisons. Because they end up, did you did you never watch it? They never brought watched like another it. season mm. out a couple of years ago. So like they had, you know, it was all done. And about six years later, they decided to bring out kind another of one of those season. shows which I feel that like, it, you know, I remember watching that show Under the Dome. And it's like, how the fuck are they still under this dome four seasons? Well, like, get out of I the dome. They the last season that they did, they they break out of a Yemen prison. And I think of course before they that do. it's like a Mexican prison or Guatemala. It's just like, it's just like the Olympics. Like every four years are in a different location. Like this exactly. week you are gonna break out from the thing. Can I just yeah. before we talk about this challenge, um Again, a great challenge. It's, it essentially comes down to the, a bunch of them are locked up. They've got to dig under the, the bars. They've got the rope, the, the, the famous survivor stick rope thing, get the key, lock out, you're out of the, of the prison. I really wanted to point this out, and this comes down to the editing. There's one shot here at the very introduction when Dicko's going through, like, this is what you do, this is what you do. And they kind of like, I don't know if they've got just like a sort of a, a dolly or they've got kind of like the camera on the arm where Dicko's like about to do his whole, you know, play fair, play safe, play to win, whatever it is. And he's kind of just got this zoom out on him when he's talking. And it kind of, you start on Dicko and then it zooms out and it reveals both tribes like going on either side. And then you get him to do the survivors ready go, which he's still continuing with the AFL goal umpire thing. It's... It's so subtle, but it's so brilliant. And, like, I don't know if I've ever seen that in any Survivor before. Like, I know we've got very fancy cinematography in, in the US version and obviously now with the Channel 10 version. I mean, you know, Dicko on a Volcano is up there, but, you know, we've got fucking JLP on top of rocks and dropping Mike with the fire, burning the forest. Like, you know, they go all out. But I've never seen this, like, fantastic, like, mm. zoom-out shot of, like, and it was... I don't know if you picked up on it. I just wrote that down and I wanted to bring it up. It was really, no, really good. I loved it. I actually, I didn't give it much thought, but now you mention it, I do, I remember clearly, you know, that that section just before, obviously, the, the challenge starts. And you're right. Like, I don't know whether David, that was David Mason's idea or maybe we'll give the credit to him or, you know, one of his camera guys that suggested it. But um, you're right now. What about, okay, Okay, this challenge, obviously, it's a standard one that we, we've seen this challenge over the years, you know, you, you've got to break people out of the, the basically the, the makeshift prison with the, with the bamboo sticks and that and then you've got to get the key so you've got to build the bamboo sticks to reach out and get the key and all that like for one, are you a fan of this challenge? And do you like yes. the fact that they actually have to at the start of it's a little different. They get Elton mm. and guys so or one from each team to sort of just run to a random flag that's sort of in the bushes and then come back. And it's actually a good contest between those two. I would like to see more of it because they were basically equal the whole way through. But you could just look at them too because here Elton is, he he's just finished his you know, career, he's 28 or whatever, he's just finished his career with the Wallabies. And you've got someone like Guy who is a, an Ironman, but, you know, at the you know finished his career. But they're still, I think, fitness-wise, I would say equal. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, what, Elton Flatley freshly retired as a Wallaby mm. um, and, you know, a, a demanding sport rugby at the best of times. 
and I mean demanding sport, Iron Man. Like I mean, you know, mm. sixteen years later, Guy Leach is still in fantastic shape and, you know, still, you know, putting us all to shame. But um no, I, I really like this challenge and I, I like the, I I love these challenges reminds me so much of old school survivor and they still do it sometimes in modern survivor but not as much when they've got to like run into the bush and they've got to get something because you always Mm. have like those great shots of like who's going to emerge from the the bush first and like kind of you see it's someone and there's been something happening there and you're like oh cheering on the tribe like it's just a, a minor little thing i like but no like this challenge is great and I'm jack of puzzles. I'm jack of fucking yeah. run, get puzzles, finish yeah. it. Like, I'm just so over puzzles. Um, and so, like, to... And I, I guess, okay, technically putting sticks together is kind of a puzzle. But, no, there's, there's... Like, there's elements to a challenge like this that even it out. This isn't pure physical that's going to suit a guy. It's going to suit Nelton. You've got a bit of, you know strategy like with the digging and kind of like with the untying and then you know anybody who has got a skill in anything can do this challenge and it evens it up and it makes an entertaining viewing one thing we haven't really pointed out a lot this season matt is that this isn't uh, this is a very evenly spread season when it comes to the challenge wins mm. and i like that i i always like that about survivor when there's not a blow i mean sometimes a blowout's fun don't get me wrong but like i i like it when kind of you know you never know who's really going to win but I, I like this challenge. I, I I I really just can't say anything negative about challenges on this season. I think this, no, season, this season's great with challenges. The only the only negative thing I'll say about this challenge, I love the challenge itself. I love the fact that you've got Elton and Guy running out. I love the fact that it doesn't end like you said that they all don't break out. Then you've got like one of your tribe mates do a puzzle at the end, you know, which would happen now. Like you get out, then some the last things are puzzled to try to be the equalizer. The only negative thing I'll say about this, it's the actual visual of the challenge, like it's not to the grand scheme that it would be, say, a US survivor. Like it, it looked okay, but it kind of looked like it was, you know, it wasn't a grand sort of bamboo prison, was it? It seemed yeah. very basic, a little flimsy. Um, it did, that was the only thing I thought that spoiled it. It just didn't have that, you know, that grand look to it, which you'd get in an American season. And it, it was also fascinating, kind of how they did it. I mean, I'm guessing this had to do something around the camera work because I mean, we've got a lot of close ups like these. Yeah. I feel there's like some escape doors where the cameramen can sort of sneak in there because, you know, you've got these shots of them, like when they're digging under the, the, the sort of the bars and everything along those lines. And, and like, I didn't really catch any cameras in the background. So kind of like they've done very well with the editing around that, but um, you're right. Like it's, it's not completely grandiose and, and amazing, but uh, I mean, again, we, we, we know the budget of this season. I think kind of, they do well what they do have. Oh, like, I mean, absolutely. You know, hello, yeah, absolutely. Way, but um, yeah. Like and, and, I think, and, that, and that's important to remember. And I think that's why it was so good, you know, interviewing David Mason that we can get a good understanding of the budget he was working with. And, I'll, I'll continue to say it, that it's really amazing the job he did on the budget and the time frame he had. Like, so I'm certainly not complaining. I think it's great. I'm but just I, saying, yeah, I know what you that's mean. the only thing I could fault about. Yeah. But one, I'd rather that and and them actually do a good challenge than to try to do something too big and they can't afford it and it and it's rubbish and it looks terrible. So yeah. I mean, they they stayed within their means, which is credit to them. Which I think it's it's interesting. I see also reading some of the comments on this episode, and we will get to that. Um, and, you know, people commenting on the challenges and like, oh, we've seen this before in the US Survivor and all that kind of stuff. And like, okay, like I can understand it where it gets, a, you know, a bit repetitive. And I mean, we, you know, in 2021, things are very repetitive when it comes to Survivor challenges. But, you know, it's, it's, I, I like kind of seeing a different take on them sometimes. And sometimes like challenges are classics for being classics, you know, like, 
you know, we talked about the sandbag sort of one before with a bit of a different twist on it. You know, this one, you know, slightly different. But, I mean, there are challenges that, that will never get old. I mean, the two to me that I would gladly see on any season, I don't care what it is. I mean, it's not really a challenge, the auction and gross food eating challenge. Mm, I don't cool. care how old that gets. I yeah. love a gross food eating challenge challenge. Yeah. Um, so oh, spot on. They're the staples to me that should be. And also the other staple that should always be the case is the hand on the idol for the final challenge. It should be a final three, hand on the idol. Who wants it the most? That is a simple fucking challenge you do. And the merge challenge, and they'll never do this anymore because now every single challenge is an endurance challenge. But the merge challenge should always be stand on a pole for as long as you can. Mm. You know, think, I'm thinking Australian Outback rules here. You know, it's 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 simple, but like it's it's classic. You know, I like. I think for a merge challenge, it should be the one the hand, the one hand up in the air with the water. Oh yeah, with the rope and then the water up above because that's an endurance one. I mean, I mean, I, I, it's good because it's who wants it the most, but it's also you've got to really dig deep to get it. But with um, all these endurance ones, they all blend together now. It's like fucking stand yeah. with your legs on a pole and put this behind your back and let's add another thing here. Like, I mean, they were fine at the time, but when 80% of your merge challenges are that, it's it's just, you know, um, don't get me so To me, challenges are obsolete and survive in modern times. Like, there's no mm. point to a challenge. I mean, there's a point to get immunity. I get it. But honestly, I sometimes skip challenges because I'm like, there's no purpose to this. Like, it's mm. just, it's there for what it is. But this is a good I, challenge. This has got a purpose. I, are you surprised Kakula win? Is that a surprise? Um, not really. I mean, most are obviously on a bit of a streak. But, I mean, again, going back to my point where it's kind of an evenly spread season. I mean, having said that, Kakula win the first three, Moso win the next two. Kakula win the next three, Moso win the next two. So, But, I mean, on the grand scheme of things, you know, four to Moso in total, six to Kakula. I mean, out of ten tribal challenges, it's nearly 50-50. So, um, and this goes back to my point where the tribes, I think, are fairly evenly split. And this is a fairly even challenge when it comes to, you know, this isn't going to completely favour a physical tribe versus a mental tribe so um not i mean this is one of those ones where i think kind of you know it's it's not like the opening where kakula are definitely going to win a challenge where you got to swim out and get something because you've got guy leech like this is you know anyone could have won it um so and it's one of only two episodes where both tribes win a challenge so yeah yeah so i know it's it's fine cooler winning i going back to my point where i think like i think we'd have a completely different game had they not won and you, you know, Imogen, I think, Imogen on a call, I think are gone. I don't think Gabby's uh, switched to them yet. But having said that, I think this is the perfect way for Moso to go to tribal because I think we need to see this. This is more chance of happening because it did happen than I think it would have been with Gabby switching had they gone straight away. Mm. No, it's true. Now we get, we get back to Moso. Now Fiona straight up, she takes the blame for the loss. Are you a fan of people taking the blame for losses? No, um, particularly when they won't give up on it. Um, yes, I think. She, she, yeah, they, they were trying. They were trying to give her the out, weren't they? They were like, "No, no, it's all good. We all." And she kept on going on about it, and that would get annoying. That would get Which, annoying. Look, when I say that, like, honestly, I could see myself being a bit of a Fiona in this because this is kind of me in real life. I, I kind of need that reassurance. I'm that guy who's going to ask the same question five times until I get the answer I want. Um, I would like to think I'd be different in the game of Survivor, but sometimes you can't mask. I mean, Fiona's not masking who she really is, right? So her kind of asking this question like three or four times and she's not getting the answer she wants, I can relate. But at the same time, from a 
Monday morning quarterback observing this as a as a game, it's like read the room, Fiona. I mm. think I even think the answer that they give her is an answer. You know, yeah. they're they're directly avoiding answering course, yes yeah. or no. They're kind of spinning it and they're kind of like, move on, move on. And then you cut straight to David Oldfield and he's like, <laughs> fuck, she was shit. She she cost us this thing. And like Props to the editing. Great to the editing there. But, I mean, Justin and uh, and Elton play their cards very well. I mean, like, I'm not going to talk up a whole lot of Elton Flatley strategy in this game, but Elton, like, I love his little move. He was like, oh, you know, we all have our bad days. We just fucking move on from it. You know, let's go talk to Winnie the Stick. You know, like, he just kind of, he, he just pushes it aside, right? And that, that's, that's, that's coming from an international rugby player, a team guy, you know. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, this is comes down to Fiona not being a great social player or survivor. Read read the room here, Fiona. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably going back to what Amber says early in the episode that I just think, you know, I think she yeah she's just she's not fully at times. Yeah, you're I think you're, you're spot on. She doesn't read the room, you know, and and she's not quite aware of like the surroundings and what people are thinking and like. Like I like the fact that she wears a heart on her sleeve, and and she would have been filthier herself that she was one that kind of. And should I say the reason why she's saying that? We, we probably didn't cover this, that she sort of took control with trying to get the key and building the the sticks together and, and tying them up, and it, she kind of couldn't get it, and and they wanted to swap out with her, and I think she was like, no, no, I'll do it, I'll do it, and then in the end, of course, they lost. So that's why she's saying that she's taken the blame for the loss, but you know, she does wear a heart on her sleeve and that's what I love about Fiona. You know, like that's what, you know, I enjoy watching from her. She's that sort of personality. I like that personality, but at the same time in Survivor, not not so great. It's a lot different from Imogen two episodes ago. Of, so this is why it didn't work. And was like, oh, is that why? Okay, oh. that makes sense. And Fiona's like, fucking bullshit, mate. Like you you fucked up. Now it's, oh, was it, did I fuck up? Did I do it? No, no, you're good. She oh. fucked up. <laughs> Yeah. But we got it like David playing this like a fiddle. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. Like David comes into this, like basically just takes his opportunity here. And like, this is the type of thing which you would, you would think you would just go around going like, Oh, she fucked up. We should get rid of her. David doesn't victimize Fiona. David kind of puts himself up as, Hey, I could have been used better there. Like, you know, just, yes. just putting it out there. I'm useful. And this is kind of going back to what you were saying before. This is the whole card of I'm more than just a chef. Use me more. And I think that's so clever. That's like it's so easy to kind of take advantage of Fiona and be like, she was shit. I should have been used more, blah, 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 blah. But he does it in such a way that he's able to sway Amber enough to get Amber to vote with him and Elton. I mean, it's just it's not in your face. It's not totally obvious, but it's brilliant. Is David Oldfield like the Casey Ryback from Under Siege? You know, Stephen Seagal. Like he's more than just a cook. I mean, look. I, if any comparison between David Oldfield <laughs> and Stephen Seagal, I'm there. Like, I mean, you know, David Seagal. We can call him something like that. You know, like oh, oof, I'd watch David Oldfield in an action <laughs> flick. Who wouldn't? David Old. You're kidding yourself if you're listening yeah. to this and you say you bullshit. You would. <laughs> Expendables four. David Oldfield. Put him in it. Oh. David Oldfield, he, he's worried. He he's worried that that they're trying to get Elton to to join them as well and, and vote him out. So he knows what's going on. This is a classic here too, Fiona. Uh, anytime you hear 
um, a contestant say to someone, oh, I'm 500% locked in with a group. <laughs> Pretty sure you're going home that episode. And this is no exception. So Fiona and Elton, El- Fiona's trying to tell Elton, you've got nothing to worry about. I'm 500% locked in with Amber and Justin. Just, you know, just basically just vote for David. You'll be right. You'll come with us and we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> If you're saying you're 500% locked in with someone, you want to make sure you're 500% locked in with someone. Which, I mean, can I just point out, 500%, great number. Like, it's up there with Ted's. I'm 150 to 200%. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's up there. Five, great number, Fiona. And also, when she's talking to Elton here, does Elton say, I'm rocking it, bub? He says something along those lines. Like, he says, I'm rocking it. And then I don't know if he yeah. says bub or babe or something, but, like... Go back and watch that scene. There's, you know, something there. But I also really, like, because she says, unless I'm naive, I'm 500% certain Amber, Justin, and I are tight. Like, you're not throwing that conf- you're not throwing that line in an episode unless you're going home. The editors how, have yeah. fun with that line. Uh, oh, absolutely. And I don't know how she ever thought she'd be 500% locked in with Amber, who, I'd, have we actually seen any interaction between those two that would even consider that they would be friends on the outside? I maybe well, I haven't seen. Maybe Fiona is that confident in her bosoms that they're that good and that entrancing that that sort of sit down was like a Amber's seen my boobs, she's tight with me. You know, yeah, true, true. I'm well, sure well, if maybe- she had have just taken a top off in front of Elton, <laughs> done. Solidified. He would have been 500% oh, locked in Elton too. Elton would have been 600 differently. 600% locked in. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> That's literally his reaction. Oh. <laughs> Your face not doing that. That's, a, that's an but, Elton um, face. Ooh. <laughs> Come oh. on. You're picturing Elton doing that exactly, exact same facial expression. You know what? We're, we're stirring up about Elton here, but Elton's actually, this is actually a good little point from Elton. He, he's like, well, hang on a sec is that the only option we've got or do we go and, you know, talk to Amber and try to get something? Cause you can tell that Elton doesn't want to get rid of David. Mm. You know, he knows he needs David. You know, they're obviously original Kukula members. Um, he wants to keep him around. So he's like, well, it's not my only option. There is another one. If we just go and speak to Amber and if you're going to take her into the bush to go talk to who else better than to take the smooth talk and David Oldfield. And I actually really like this little section here because I like it when um, is it David and Justin are going off into the jungle and Amber's like, "Do I need to come? Do you think I yeah. need to come?" Like, kind of. That. She doesn't want to go, does she? she no. Doesn't like, go. And this is this is what I love about Amber is that like Amber arguably makes like the biggest or second biggest move in this entire season, um, but like she's she's so beautifully naive and innocent. Like Amber's her own woman. She's personable. She's just, she does what she does, but she does it in a way that, and I think from memory and talking to her that she kind of did this in a bit of a way where she didn't really know what she was doing. Like she kind of didn't really know what the game was and all that sort of stuff. But I know this kind of just sums it up when Amber's like, do I need to come? Are you sure I need to come? Like what's going on? But then I love that line that she has, like David, you know, puts it all into her. Like basically David just sells it and does it, everything that David needs to do. And, I love that when Amber's basically like, I'm not going to base my decision on what a politician tells me. And then she's like, eh. everyone has been in my ear today. And it's kind of like, it, it balances the fact of you think Amber's dropping a drop mic strategic little moment here versus a, she has no fucking idea what she's doing. Like it's kind of like a middle little ground there with Amber. And that's what makes Amber such a, a fascinating, you know, 
character in the show. And I, I don't think people who remember this season often talk about how Amber's the most... Amber's kind of like the female Elton, maybe, where, you know, she's not ultimately the most memorable. But what we get from Amber is pretty darn good. And, and this is what I love about this episode. We go into this tribal not knowing... Like, you don't mm. know who's going to go home. This is yeah. a real genuine episode of, well, is it going to be Elton? Is it going to be David? Is it going to be Fiona? You you really don't know until until the votes come out. Yeah, and that's that's going back to what I keep saying. This is a very well-edited episode. If, yeah. if you want a, a uh, I guess, a blueprint of how a Survivor episode should be, I think this episode is, is up there with the formula, with the the actual A to B formula of a Survivor episode. And, you know, we had somewhat of that as a bit of in Season 1. We're, we're going to get more of it in this season. And, and Channel 10, obviously, have had a lot more time to perfect it. But I would even argue that Channel 10 don't get it right a lot of the time, like with the way they edit episodes. I mean... Again, we're, we're going to get into a lot of my complaints against the way Channel 10 puts episodes together, you know, very soon. But it's it's just, it's it's the right formula. And this goes back to the very beginning of this episode where I say this maybe isn't the most standout episode of all time, but it's a basic A to B episode of Survivor with what you need. You've got enough juicy carrots and, and bloody points that make this season, this episode an important episode for this season and, and the, the series in Australia in general. But yeah, we go into Tribal right now and... Yeah, we don't really have much of a clue what's about to happen. All right, Ben. So we go into trouble council here. Now, Dicko is at his best here, I reckon. Like, he asks Amber a question. I know you're going to like this question. He says, what is harder, surviving or politics? And Amber says, you know, it's the politics of the game. And it's true. Survivor, like, for some people, you know, you look at someone like a Tarzan, I guess, in modern-day Survivor, you know, for him, you know, he stays under the radar. He doesn't really get too much into the, you know, the politics as a survivor. He's not going to try to be leading the tribe and all that stuff. You know, for him, he's just out there surviving, you know, goes and gathers all the food. Like there's so many different ways to play this game, but there's also so many different things you've got to, you know, come up against to get to the end. And it's a really good question, I think. And Amber here, obviously, it's the politics of the game, which is is the hardest part for her. Which it's. I love how Dicko keeps bringing up the word politics. You know, yeah. it's 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 often not a, a massive word that's brought up in Survivor. But um, yeah, you're right. Like it's um, a lot of people struggle with that side of the game. You know, there are speaking of our OnlyFans man himself, Aussie. You know, like it's kind of he he thrives at the survival aspect and the living off the land and things like that, where it's sort of the social game that he struggles with and things on that aspect. So. You know, some people are going to struggle with the politics and all that kind of fun stuff. So, I, yeah, I like that sort of line there from Dicko. And I mean, you're right with Dicko. Like, Dicko's had a fairly quiet episode. This is kind of my point back when I said, like, yeah, it's hard to come up with a thug life one until we get here to tribal. So, Dicko maybe just having a bit of a sleep, choosing his wardrobes, um, you know, unclogging toilets. I don't know. But uh, he kind of brings his A game to tribal here with some of these questions. Because, like, I think even sort of a lot of what he asks for everybody, like with Justin, when he's sort of asking about, you know, the added strengths of the tribe, um, you know, asking about Elton, you know, having to lose someone. Uh, and then obviously with David, you know, kind of when David starts talking about being underutilized um, there. And then, yeah, Dicko's little line of the, uh, you know, for, <laughs> you look fantastic for 55, you really do. I like just the way Dicko delivers it, you know he's being a sarcastic shit. 
Um, but like it, it comes across as like semi-sincere and like this just the back and forth between David and Dicko is always brilliant because like they just play off each other. Like I, I swear these two had a beer after the game and just, yeah. you know, but like, As, well, yeah. he, after David probably put the big green turd in his toilet, but anyway, <laughs> maybe it was David, maybe it was Oldfield, who knows? But um, one thing I'll say, like, I actually, when I, when I heard that whole Dicko having like having a bit of a joke with him about being 55, I actually didn't comprehend it at the start. And I was like, and then I, at the end of the episode, I was like, geez, man, that was such a good episode by, by Oldfield, you know, like such a shame he, he wasn't on All-Stars. And I was like, how old would he be now? And I'm thinking, okay, well, 55. And I was like, hang on a second. He wasn't 55. He was like 48 or 47 when he played. So that's when I realised it was a bit of a subtle, like, jab at Dick, from Dicko. But I was like, hang on a second. He, he wasn't 55. You know, and then I realised what Dicko was having to joke with him. he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just, there's just something about the way these two play off each other. Um, it's, it's so good. Um, and like, I wonder if that just comes from a place where Dicko like genuinely didn't like him because of he's a politician. And I mean, some people just automatically have that sort of level about them where they don't like politicians and all that sort of stuff. But, um, I don't know. I mean, and let's like, David's older than Dicko. It's five years here if I'm working out my math correctly. So, you know, maybe that's just, you know, Dicko waiting that cause he's like, he looks up to him. He's a bit older than him and everything along those lines. But, um, yeah, yeah. The other line that, you know, when Dicko, when Fiona goes here, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I do love it when Dicko drops the, you know, sad moment or is it ding dong the witch is gone um and like <laughs> trust me like if i uh, we're not going to call this episode ding dong the witch is gone because that sounds a bit mean without context but um if if, if i had a open slather choice of not trying to offend people and and wanting to make sure fiona's on side when she comes on the show next week i would totally call this episode of australian survivor archives ding dong the witch is gone and she she's the white witch I, I actually don't think you'd be offending her i don't think we'd be offending her at all i mean she's She's just released a, another book for God's she sake. On, on, you know, she, I think she's about up to about twelve books now, and um, you know, she's openly she, she's the White Witch. So well, maybe we'll sure. call it Ding Dong. The Witch yeah. is gone. Gone then. If, gone. if you if you're uh, open enough and think that's fine, then we'll call it Ding Dong. The Witch is gone. Let, let's let, we we've been talking about a lot of Ding Dongs tonight, so why not? Hey, um, Ding yeah. Dong. The Witch is gone. Dot OnlyFans or something. <laughs> Um, nah, Ding Dong like, the Witch is gone. Fine, that's the episode title. Right, that's the episode. That right now. Done. Okay, I just want I, I, just before we, we we sort of wrap this trouble council up, I, I just want to say one more time: this is David. Like he, he could possibly go home here at Trouble Council, and he, he's so smooth. You know, when they when they when he mentions about him being he feeling underutilized, and Fiona actually jumps in over the top of him. So oh, he's a good cook. You know, says it to Dicko. And he comes straight back and he, he, he's making sure Amber's hearing all this, obviously, because she's at trouble. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm more than just a cook. I can run. I can I can dive down. I, you know, he's, he's, he's selling himself to Amber and that's what he's doing. He's making sure that he gets in Amber's head one last time before she makes a vote because, you know, he probably doesn't know. Is, he, is she going to go with him or is, she gonna, is Amber going to write down David's name? So... This is where David is gold. Like he never gives up. You know, he, he right down to the end, he's still being that politician. He's still selling himself to to the audience, to the crowd, and he does it so well. And I think this is another classic example. And this is why he is the MVP of this episode because even down at Tribal, 
he's still making sure that, uh, you know, he, he gives himself every chance. And uh, I, what about Fiona? Did, she's, she, she's letting everyone know that she's done a lot for the tribe as well. She might be cooking the, 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 the moist risotto, Ben, but uh, she burned some of her 20-year-old tarot cards just yeah. to keep the tribe warm. Do you reckon? I don't know how, I don't know how tarot, tarot cards work. Like, you know when you get a deck of cards and you've got, like, the two jokers in it? Like, you can all, I mean, you could burn the two joker cards and still play the majority of card games. You mm-hmm. could... You know, you could burn maybe one Joker card and stuff. Like, I don't know, if you burn one of the tarot, tarot cards, is that it? Like, are there, is a pack useless then? I don't know. Look, I, 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 my experience with tarot cards isn't exactly uh, up there either, to be completely honest with you. But, um, I mean, I, I guess, like, don't they just say, like, lovers or, you know, death? Are, are those, those sort of cards there? So, like, at the end of the day, like, if you burn a death card, is that probably a good thing? I, I, I don't know. Um, so, yeah. Have you, ever had a, a, have you ever had a reading? Ah, uh, no, I've, I've done the online ones, but, um, I, look, I, it's not maybe something that I necessarily, uh, go out of my way to believe in Matt Dyson. What about yourself? The, the, the most I go is I read my star sign and you're like, oh yeah, that's true. I did have a difficult week with work. No, I, many years ago I was down at the shops. This is, oh geez, this would be 15 years ago. And there were some people, you know, in the middle of the shops, there's a big Westfield Indrapilly shopping center there. And just in the middle, I had like a setup. They probably had four of them there. And I thought, you know what, bugger it. I sit down. I know it was probably 20 bucks or something. And I did it. And I don't know, but I didn't know what was going on, but the cards that were coming out, they didn't look great as far as like good for me. I don't know. It looked like all these death cards. And I'm like, oh, geez, this isn't good. And the reaction I was getting from the woman was, was not good either. I think she was like, oh, geez, that's another bad one. Another bad. So I don't know. I've stayed away from it since then. I don't know. I wasn't getting a good vibe. From, not getting from a good the, juju from it, no. basically. So we'll, look, so, we'll talk to Fiona about it next week. Like, uh, if I'm completely honest with you, I don't know a lot about it. You know, it's kind of I'm forming my opinions on the limited knowledge I have, and it's kind of, again, going back to my point about jumping to conclusions about things. Um, but, I mean, having said that, David kind of does summarise it, you know, in this episode, where it's kind of like that's not something that I generally, you know, and, like, each to their own. It's I'm not going to discount what Fiona does and, and believes in and, and all that kind of stuff, and it's it's... It's one thing I will say is that I like what she says here about the safety or the the health of my tribe is more important than my twenty year old tarot. Like it's a nice little moment that Fiona actually says, which kind of just gets glossed over. And I will say, like with Dicko, like kind of what he says, like Dicko just Dick Dicko, you know, the kind of the condescending nature, the way he's like, "Have you consulted your tarot cards?" Like it's kind of like what he the way he talks to Gabriel, like he might not be meaning to be condescending and a dick. That's just Dicko. That's just how he is. He's one of those guys who just kind of has things to say. We all know people like that, but it's just just the way he kind of says it. Like you consult the tarot cards. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's Fiona's the only Australian survivor, probably the only ever survivor to take tarot cards on as their possibly luxury item. I couldn't imagine anyone else would ever no. Anyone as oh, earthy and yeah, I mean, who's, and, who's someone that you you try to work out who Australian survivors Philip Shepherd is? Is mm. there anyone from the Channel Ten like Sylvan? I swear we're comparing everyone to Sylvan, Elton Sylvan, now Fiona Sylvan. Like you know, they're all around that point. But any the Channel Ten era, like someone like a Shawnee uh, or Fenella, I could imagine would be into this. Maybe sort of stuff. yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, anyway, but, David said so David ends up he stays. 
Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we, we talked this up at the beginning, you know. Yeah, Lance was the first blind side in, in Survivor history, but this is maybe uh, your first real super, super shock for the viewer blind side. Like, I don't think anyone was really, from a viewer's perspective, blindsided by Lance's vote out. But this is, going back to your point about how we didn't really know what was happening in Tribal, this comes down to a real, you know, what's going on. And it's also one of those classic moments where it's, there's only five people. So you've got two V two and then you've got Dicko, the overdramatic turn. And, yeah, and yeah. we talked about how Dicko holds the cards. He kind of like holds it by the top and flips it around. It's kind of weird, but um, yeah, bye-bye Fiona. And I like, I lo- like, I say the two major blind sides in this season, great reactions, not as good as guys reaction in a couple of weeks when Wayne goes, but um, this sort of turnaround that Fiona does. And Fiona looks at Justin. She doesn't look at yes. Amber. She looks no. at Justin. Yeah. I know. But she says something too, like, oh, I knew it. Or like, So it's going to be interesting when we get her on that, yeah, what, was it a complete blindside or did she get the – because, yeah, we did mention that she was talking to Elton saying she's 500% locked in. But, you know, as it got closer to the tribal, was she, was she worried that someone was going to turn on him? And – why was she not looking at Amber? Why Justin? Like, why was it that she thought Justin was the one that that turned? Did, did maybe she thought that the guys all stuck together? You know, maybe. maybe that was what it was. The guys stuck together. But um, I mean, I think looking. I mean, we'll talk to her about this. But I'm pretty pretty certain she would have been upset that she was out third. I mean, she was there to play hard and, and play to win and and play safe, of course. And play safe. <laughs> But you're right. And like, it's kind of, it's a, it's a myriad of emotions here. Cause like she has that look, then she does the whole, I knew it was me. Then she kisses Justin. And then she like gives this kind of little sarcastic thumbs up to Dicko as a torch gets snuffed. Um, which can I just say, I hate the thumbs up. Like, you know, I've said this to you and Kayla, I hate people who respond with a thumbs up. It's lazy. It pisses me off. Don't fucking do it. But in the context of getting voted out a survivor, I would much rather see a thumbs up than this, the tribe has spoken. They certainly have. If I hear they certainly have one more fucking time to the tribe has spoken, I will slap my television silly because that annoys the shit. I don't know why that annoys the shit out of me, but it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's an Australian survivor thing. I swear in every Channel 10 season, everybody's like, the tribe has spoken. They certainly have. Like, shut up. Like, I want JLP to just like, oh, for fuck's sake, roll his eyes. It's like, piss off. Anyway, side tangent. Um, I also what like... About, the, what about when people are overly happily, happy when they're voted out? I, I don't... I hate, um, like, you know, like, you know, like yeah, oh, you got me. I don't know. Is that the same covering up their disappointment? You, I mean, everyone yeah. reacts to things differently. I'm the type of person that I've always said that if I was getting voted out, I would be like, I'd make a scene. I'd like, and like, even if I'm like legitimately meaning it or I'm just doing it for the camera, I'd like fucking throw shit. I'd pick up a seat. I'd, I don't know. Like you say all these things now and at the moment, of course you're not going to do it. But, um, you know, like I think of like chicken in China, like damn, and you know, things like that. And, or I'd do like a, what's a face, um, from Philippines and like going to kiss Jay. I'd fucking pass JLP. <laughs> I'd like grab that beautiful man hunk and, just going for the tongue, like you know, as my dad used to say, bend him over, slip him one. So, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Hello to my dad if you're listening. Um, but yeah, I I don't know where I was going. The point I actually wanted to say, like when Fiona goes, I like the the camera on Amber. Amber looks like very guilty. Oh and, yeah, and like it's, it's also interesting when Dicko does the whole sad moment or ding dong, the witch is gone. 
Amber's the one who goes, no, it's sad. Like, yeah. Amber kind of, like, it's such an interesting bookend from the beginning of the episode to Amber's genuinely feeling some remorse for I, Fiona going. So maybe I the boobs worked, Matt. The boobs worked. <laughs> Uh, I still have no idea whether they ended up being friends after the show or not, or if they've ever had any anything to do with each other since. I mean, they they kind of walk in different circles and the stuff they do. I I, I don't know, but um, I think it's too important. I did touch on this earlier, right at the start of the episode, but this is where David just gets that one last line in when he gives the vote, and he he says Fiona will find that I'm capable of a lot more than cooking, and obviously he has Fiona's name because. He's pretty certain that Fiona's going home, that he's got the numbers. And, of course, Fiona is the one that said, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a good cook and, like, making out that's all he is as a cook. So I think David sort of took that personally, like, well, hey, I can cook more than just a risotto. Like, I'm a, I'm a physical threat as well. And for him to then say that while casting his vote, like, I'm, I love a good line when people are casting their votes. And I thought that was, a, that was probably one of the best ones of the season. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I think kind of the thing too with David is that, um, you know, what makes him a good player is you can't read his face. He's kind of got like a very blank look on his face constantly. There's not a lot of emotion there. So Mm. when he's dropping some of these lines, it's kind of like, it's done in a way where you're trying to read, is he being genuine? Is he just saying this? And like, I think he's being genuine. Like, I think kind of he's genuinely being genuine. Does that make sense? Genuinely being genuine. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a great line. We don't really get, we only see obviously Fiona's and um, David's vote, but it ends up being a three to two vote. So clearly we can work out how that all played out. Clearly Justin and Fiona voted for David and the rest voted for Fiona. So um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's, it's, it's interesting to have to eulogize Fiona here because you know, it's three episodes. She's gone. Um and she left a mark. I think you remember Celebrity Survivor 2006. You remember Fiona Horn. And you and I talked about this when we, we talked over the cast, Um, you know, who we knew, who we were familiar with. I had no clue who Fiona, who Fiona Horn was coming into this season. And to this day, I only know her from Australian Survivor. I mean, obviously, we're, we, we I know some of the things that you talked me through, what she'd done, Beauty and the Beast, and obviously with Def FX, which we'll talk about a little bit in a sec. But um, to me... I hear the words Fiona Horn, I think automatically of Survivor. So, um, you know, she left a mark. And while I may have not always been a fan of her personality on this show, as I've always backed that up with, I think that's great casting because, you know, you're either going to like or not like her. She she played strongly. I think she has elements of being a great player of this game. It's just that strategic, uh, the sorry, the social side of things that is that lets her down. And unfortunately, I think that ultimately is her undoing in this game and why she ends up being a third boot. Mm. And I think David Mason would have been happy in the end that Absolutely. You know, the, the three episodes he got out of her, you know, there's some, I guess, some contestants that in any season of Survivor, you know, when, they, when they're voted out and they walk away, the, the EP's thinking, well, good riddance, you know, you've brought nothing to the show, where I think he would have been more than happy with what he got out of Fiona for those three episodes. So um, so I think, yeah, she, she, she did her job as far as the show in general is. She, she brought good scenes, good content to the show. She made it entertaining. You know, it would have been great to see her longer. But in the end, look, three episodes was all it was for her. And, um, yeah, it's, um, it is a shame that we didn't get to see a little bit more. You, you mentioned in the very first episode that, uh, that she was your childhood celebrity crush. 
Matt Dyson. Um, I mean, after seeing this episode, did that uh, stir up those uh, (laughs) young Matt Dyson feelings? (laughs) It, it brought back good memories, Ben. Um, <laughs> brought it to your nah, only fans it, days. Uh, yeah. No, it, it is, and it is. And it's funny watching it all these years later because, like you said, you know, I, I did say that, yeah, she was um, sort of my, my teenage crush at the time. And, yeah, it's funny now, you know, watching it, you know, all these years later and um, and, and seeing her on there. And I'm, I'm glad that she got to play Survivor. I think that, um, you know, I'm pretty sure when we talk to her that she, it's going to be something that she – was happy to do that. You know, she was happy to play Survivor. She wanted to, and um, yeah, it is going to it is going to be exciting to, to interview her. But um, she did win five thousand dollars, obviously for a charity for Project Aware. Do you remember what that charity was? I do not. Uh, but let's have a look right now. If I go to projectaware.org, uh, I can see that it is uh, a global force of divers, uh, works with scuba divers across the globe to protect underwater environments. There you go. 182 well, countries, uh, 1,800,906 items of debris removed. So uh, they're clearly uh, quite prominent in that aspect. So uh, well, there you go, projectaware.org. Go and donate some money to them. Well, it's actually funny that that's the charity because I know... I mean, Fiona's done so much um, in her life. And I know on her Instagram, one of the things she she mentioned, she says here, so Fiona Horn, she's a witch, a commercial pilot, an author, rock star, skydiver, uh, fire dancer, free, dry, free diver and sailor. So obviously the free diving. So that's obviously got something to do with it. Oh, I don't know, but it sounds like she does a bit of, bit of everything. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see why she picked... Project Aware. Good to say. I want to get to the, some of these comments, but um, one thing I've actually noticed on on Survivor Wiki, they've actually got the bios of the players that obviously used to be on the Yahoo Seven website. And I don't know if I've ever read this before, and we can sort of bring this up next week. But uh, it says here she's based in Hollywood and is known worldwide as everything from a best-selling author and TV host to a rock star and a white witch. But Fiona Horn is keen to dispel any myths about leading a purely pampered existence. In the 90s, Fiona was a lead singer-songwriter for popular Aussie techno rock group Def FX. The band's success paved the way for a broadcasting and publishing career, which has seen her write, produce, and host on TV shows such as the UK Love Advice series Sexy Spells, Australia's Beauty and the Beast, and the US hit Mad House. She has also written seven best-selling books. This was before 2006, Matt Dyson, on witchcraft and an eighth, Bewitcher Man, is set for release later this year. In addition, Fiona is an expert scuba diver and is a licensed snake handler. Perhaps not so surprising then for someone so comfortable with the outdoors. That just excited Matt Dyson. Fiona says her major concern about competing celebrity survivor is the politics. Fiona's chosen charity is Project Aware. So, wow, there you go. That's actually, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if if Fiona hasn't done something in life, it's not worth doing. Like, she's literally done everything. Remember, we spoke to her like 12 months ago, Ben, and she's like, oh, I'm just off about to sail the Caribbean. I'll be back in six months, um, you know. Like, this is the sort of person she is. Like, you know, now we're talking to her. We're trying to organise an interview. Oh, I'm, I'm just about to release another book. Like, this woman never stops. I see her on Instagram. She she still you know does duos you know with, with music. She she she's still you know doing her, her her singing and stuff like. Literally, like I said, if she hasn't done it, you may as well. There's no point in doing it because obviously it's not that good to and do. I'm not one to out a woman's age because I know it's disrespectful. But let's just say that 
she was 39 when she played Australian Survivor. It's now 15 years later, so do the math in your head. And she's looking amazing. She's she's still out there, as you said, doing you know things that you and I could only dream of. So um, you know, we talked about how maybe Kim Johnson was the one who I guess has made more of a name of herself outside of this show. But it's not to say these people are, are not keeping busy and still doing what you know. I don't I don't think Fiona Horn was ever an A-list household name, but she's kind of, I think, I guess, kept that same level of where she was going into Celebrity Survivor to today. And that's probably my biggest takeaway. And my biggest takeaway is, as you've said and just then, and like I've said a few times, she's her own woman. She does what she does. And Mm. I, 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 I envy that. I envy the type of personality that Fiona is and, you know, what she's able to achieve. And and clearly she, she loves doing what she's doing. So I'm really looking forward to talking to her next week. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you blush and talking to your childhood celebrity (laughs) crush, mate, because that's always fun to embarrass you with that. Hey, let's just say if, if in 2021, if Fiona Horn hadn't had an OnlyFans account, I would subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can talk her into creating one, Matthew Dyson. Oh, uh, who knows? Just, just want to say too, on a, on a final words, I always like reading out these final words because, you know, obviously some people get a bit cut when they with their final words or upset. And I, I thought it was pretty nice. In the end, she just said that um, she, she aimed this at Justin and Amber. She said, you know, I, I said I would stick by you. So she, she was obviously pretty keen to, to stick Moso, original Moso strong. She was planning to stick by Justin and Amber. Obviously, she wanted to stick by a word. So she's she's disappointed that one of them had, had turned on her. Um, she said, you know, I hope by weakening the core of the Moso, that it, the tribe, that it doesn't affect them. And good luck and enjoy the game. So I thought that was a pretty good final word. She She's obviously disappointed, but, um, you know, she, she, she sort of still wished them you know, the, the core Moso group, the best of luck. I'm just reading some of the comments. Um, I'll just go through some of the you. So basically, if, if you're watching along with us at home, um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing you're doing it on YouTube. And if you're not and you're wanting to watch along, if you go to the Survivor official channel on YouTube, you can find Australian Survivor Celebrity 2006 or if you just type in Australian Survivor Season 2, it actually comes up there. And uh, for those who are thinking this is something we're teasing illegally, I think we've mentioned plenty of times, this is actually the official Castaway Productions Survivor channel. So they've obviously got all the legal rights to these episodes, so therefore they're putting that. And it's interesting to read here some of the comments on this episode. And, uh, you know, these are fairly recent comments. These are within the last 12 months. So Blue Chicken 99 says, I'm glad she's gone. There you go. Uh, a few comments here about Ben. Uh, Prin Cap says, ha, 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 nice. They only voted Ben out because they love being around sexy, cute Gabrielle. Sure. Uh, J. Ross Boss says, why is Survivor giving us naked girl talk? I know women do that while changing and stuff, but who decided to record that and put it on the show? WTF, fire that idiot. Okay. Um, Lordus Jaramillo Amber is a silly gamer. She and Justine have the numbers. Now they will be voted out one by one. Justine, apparently now. Uh, not Juzzy, <laughs> Justine. And I love this one here. Jay Arcio. Poor Ben. He's a victim of the writers of the show. The writers of this show, Matt. Clearly they are... <laughs> They wrote his and final one here from YouTube, and I'll move on to the Survivor Sucks. Maria Shul- Shul- Shulere, let's go with that. 
it's really inappropriate to be showing a naked woman like this. This is disgusting. To which respectful gamer replies, it is not. Grow up. To which Joe Rossi replies, plus, she's not even good looking. Smiley crying face, vomit face. What? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez, they, they, they must... Yeah, well, somebody actually but... then wrote, I will not watch unless cloths are worn, to which somebody replied, boobs hot. So, <laughs> yeah. Ben, can I say, what sort of people are watching this celebrity sex? <laughs> I don't know. They don't even make sense. They don't but make sense. When... A true time capsule. So, uh, oh. of course, Matthew Carr provided us with a great link for the old Aussie Survivor Sucks forum. And these are actual posts from 2006 when the episode aired. Uh, now, I'm not going to read through. There's a lot of long ones in here, kind of uh, the, the quotes. Um, somebody here, Bondi Boy 66 said, Pity they voted Fiona off. Nothing improves Survivor quite like naked women. Naked Richard Hatch, I could do without, though. Uh, somebody here said, I really enjoyed it. I think this show is getting better. I hope it rates well. Uh, somebody here replied to that. Every episode has dropped. First episode opened at 1.3 million and now it's down to just around a million now. It hasn't even been making the top 10 for the night on a Thursday. Isn't that like a sign of the times that just around a million was considered low? Whereas nowadays shows would beg for a million. I don't think Australian Survivor Channel 10 has even ever reached a million viewers. So uh, there you go. And also here, I was reading this a little bit before, and this is something I'd like to get to the bottom of, because this is maybe something that I wasn't overly familiar with having not watched it live at the time. But obviously there must've been a bit in the media about Fiona and kind of feuds uh, so somebody is here. I've read so much stuff saying that people still aren't talking to Fiona as a result of stuff she did on the show. So I expected big drama, but nothing really happened. If that was supposedly one of the most interesting bits coming up this season, well, this is going to be a snooze fest. Somebody then replied, replied, I'm sounding like Catherine Kim all of a sudden. Good point. This Fiona V Imogen thing has been really hyped, but if anything, Fiona's big nemesis was Amber. Unless they bring Fiona back into the show somehow, uh, I can't see what this all the fuss is about. Uh, there you go. And I'll read this last one here for you, Matt, because this one might piss you off a little bit. It's from Aussie Original. It says, Ding dong, the witch is dead. All her talk about integrity and how I am a team member, she really didn't have a clue. And what do you want to bet that she thinks the reason she was voted out was because she didn't perform well in the challenge rather than her attitude and personality? She gave witchcraft a bad name. I've really enjoyed the last couple of eps and will definitely keep watching. Um, giving witchcraft a bad name. Isn't that a Bon Jovi song? Uh, probably, who knows? But is, is there any comments there from Alici or anything like that? Alici, <laughs> Winnie? Haven't seen that. No. Um, I've got a David, his favourite at the moment. I love when Dicko was probing him about being picked last. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, bitch witch of the East. Don't sweat pretty things or pet sweaty things. Oh, I think that's their closing thing. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. This is a really great time capsule to kind of actually read people's opinions at the time. And I really wish we had have done this more last season uh, because it really does give you an insight because it's always good to read the youtube comments of people who are watching this for the first time in 2021 but uh you know watching this when it was live on tv much different uh element i think for uh this show I, that's why i've enjoyed even the so far in the season even the stuff we've been putting up on our social media you know we're, we're seeing these you know these things from TV weeks and, and, you know, about a month ago or so we saw, you know, Dicko and the, the front cover and he had all like this, all this sort of stuff, the stuff that I never can't and never saw and, and never seen before. And that's what I love about doing this podcast. You know, we're bringing all this stuff out of the woodwork. We've had 
we've had some some listeners sort of email us and message us and send us in these photos and scan stuff in for us. And of course we put it up on our social media so we can, like you said, it's that time capsule and we're trying to put it all together so we can, you know, get a good understanding of what was going on in 2006 in, in the, the, the land of the Australian survivor. And uh, on that note, if anybody's listening and has anything that uh, they have, they want to share in terms of, uh, you know, media clippings behind the scenes, any of those sort of things that we've constantly keep saying, we, we always uh, definitely would love to, to hear from you and everything along those lines. I mean, as we as we move into closing, I should say in the next time on Survivor, we kind of get a lot more of this whole sort of cooler dynamic, you know, what will Gabby do? And I kind of think it's a bit of a cock tease. We don't actually get that for another two weeks. So I don't know why they're kind of uh, teasing it out like next week's the big one with that. But hey, you do you, Channel 7. Um, but yeah, next week in terms of ASA, Fiona Horn, we're very excited to chat with Fiona and find out some more about her time on the show, get Matt's celebrity crush, make him blush, all that kind of fun stuff. It's going to be great. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Just a couple of things I'd like to send a shout out because obviously we record these sort of often in advance and by the time we release it, things sort of happen in between and everything along those lines that maybe we haven't been able to catch up on or things like that. Um, I, I wanted to send a special shout out actually to um, Johnny Fairplay's show, Reality NSFW, which I'm going to apologize profusely right now that I don't actually know the name of the guy who was hosting this episode I was kind of flicking through recently. I happened to stumble across a an episode where they were talking about the history of Australian Survivor and sort of the opening of the episode, they were kind of going a little bit over whaler's way and then this season kind of general talk often you know dismissed and kind of moving on right but uh the guy who was hosting it wasn't johnny fairplay and again i apologize profusely to this guy who who said it i i didn't catch your name i don't listen to the show often so i don't know you're probably a really big deal in the survivor podcast community and i'm completely butchering it but he actually gave a shout out to myself and this show saying if you want to know more history on Australian Survivor then go back and listen to us so um, mate I'm going to find your name and I'm going to get it right I'm sorry but we appreciate it and I'm going to return the favour if you're listening to us go and listen to Reality NSFW I know Matt Bischoff and Johnny Fairplay are the two main guys on there but they're doing a lot of uh, great work over there on that show and I know I'm saying that when I just admit it I don't really listen to it but I do stay up to date with what they're doing on that show and it looks like, uh, you know, they've got some great content, which I'm sure people will enjoy. So uh, there's my shameless plug for another podcast, Matt Dyson. <laughs> now, you know, it's funny. I actually, um, I, I don't listen to a real lot of um, of their stuff, but, but they were doing one, they were, they were doing a recap for the 2017 Australian Survivor. And um, so I listened to like half an episode and I actually did hear that, that they gave a shout out. Well, that to, might have been the episode because they were doing, I think, at the yes, beginning of that, they did like a brief history. Of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And, and Johnny Fairplay was on there as well and Matt Bitchoff. But, um, yeah, it was the other guy. That, might be uh, Zach and, Hacker. That's I think that's yeah. the guy's name that potentially – and, if again, if I'm going the wrong guy and it was a different guy, I'm sorry. But uh, – it, 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 it is much appreciated whenever, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sharing it out there, getting, um, you know, uh, appreciation there to be able to sort of, you know, share what we're doing out there. We definitely appreciate Obviously, we do that. You know, we very much appreciate Mario Lanza being the guy on the very first episode who kind of gave us a, a plug and everything along those lines. So, um, yeah, Zach, appreciate it. Johnny, Matt, everyone over there in reality and SFW, keep up the great work. So uh, there you go. And everyone else who does Survivor Podcast because... <laughs> You're all doing, except for Rob. Like, Rob's just too good. <laughs> Rob, stop being good. Calm down with your pods, mate. Just fucking take a breath. 
Okay. You, just- you could have been that good, Ben, but unfortunately you chose to do this with me and unfortunately I don't have the star I power. I stand but, by uh- my decisions. I am Fiona <laughs> Horn. You know, I look out for the, the safety and integrity of my podcast host rather than 20-year-old podcast. I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, it's been a lot of fun chatting about this episode, Matt. It's good to uh, be able to chat with this and uh, get through quarter of the way through this season. Matt Dyson, three episodes in, we're quarter of the way. Fuck. Can I just point out that next season, we're doing three episodes an episode. So, <laughs> And we're going to have to put a time limit on it too because there's no way we're covering every little detail. Yeah. So um, make the most of this if you're enjoying this journey with us here on ASA that uh, this is the last season we're doing an episode per episode. Uh, yeah, I'm sadly kind of confirm we're not doing like 24 episodes of a strange no. survivor followed by 24 interviews followed by we will be condensing them slightly a little bit more when we get into the channel 10 stuff but uh in the meantime same as always as we like to end these out by saying like us on facebook follow us on twitter and instagram we always appreciate your support and your feedback we read every comment we read every message we often reply we generally reply to all of them so we definitely thank you for all of those if you are wanting to get these episodes direct to your devices the best way of course is to subscribe where all good podcasts are found spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, you name it we're on there i believe we're even now on amazon Podcasts. so hey we've stepped up in the world go us and if you're enjoying what we're putting out there Give us a rating out of five. I'm going to say today's worth about a 3.7, I think. I'm <laughs> uh, just going to point that out there. Just a suggestion. And comments, always appreciated. Telling Matt how beautiful he would be on OnlyFans. Just, you know, sharing it away there. And for me, I, I don't know, tell me to keep my clothes on because I've been posting more naked pictures online apparently. So there you go. Um, pleasure I'm chatting to pi- you all. I'm still picturing me and you talking an Stop alliance picturing me naked, and, and you you were just <laughs> just letting it flow he's, he's picturing me pr- naked i feel awkward oh actually before we close out tell us what our closing song is matt dyson we haven't even mentioned we mentioned a bit about this band because of who well, got voted out this week but give us a plug who we're about to hear right now well of course it's going to be fiona horn she, she's the lead singer or was the lead singer of deaf fx i always always find that hard to say deaf fx just a little trivia here too. When they released an album in America, they actually had to release it as Definition FX because there was another band that was a bit similar. Right. But um, so, yeah, I mean, we have to obviously. One thing about a band too, it was a little bit different. They didn't have a drummer. There was no drummer. Oh, so we'll have to talk to Fiona. We'll talk to Fiona about all that. I'm looking forward to that. But Ben, Do you play have one a, of the- Any particular song, oh, Matt? Is there one of your favourites? Well, I did- there is one, I think. Let me just. This is this is live uh, production meeting right now on air. I want to put Matt it, on the spot. So is it? You know. It's a psychoactive summer. Is that All it? Right. Psychoactive summer. summer. We will find it. We will put it on right now, and we will play out to that. Sadly, no Holly Valance this week, but she'll come back at some point eventually. Uh, my name has been Ben. This has been Australian Survivor Archives. I'm going to sign off by saying that uh, I'm going to go check my 20-year-old tarot cards to see what it says about me starting an OnlyFans account. I'm just That's just got me thinking, Ben. Holly Valance, maybe she's got an OnlyFans account. She's got to pay the bill somehow, Matt. <laughs> Till next time, guys. Peace out. I can see right through everything.
really small fly that gets into the fruit. We woke up this morning and we had a couple of fruit flies in our fruit basket. Fruit flies just swarmed out of the bag and that's our, that's our food. The owner was um, very upset about it and, and let everyone know that. And, um, and I probably let her know in no uncertain terms that I wasn't interested in having that conversation at 6 o'clock in the morning. She was shocked that I took her on, but I mean, certainly don't take me on and say, you hurt my feelings, because um, love, you've hurt everybody's feelings. Oh! Oh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a big one, man. No one here, I imagine, wants to be the first for someone to say, hey, you know, get off your ass, or, you know, I got all the wood this morning and you didn't do anything. No one wants to be in that sort of position. No one has said that. I'm sure people have thought it like I have. Each person in our team is, you know, they've got a strength. I'm still trying to work out mine. <laughs> Guy, were you taking a slash? Yeah. I've been denying it. Yeah, I took a leadership role, quite simply. She's not our leader, but I realised when it was starting to rub people up the wrong way and what I was doing for them was starting to be held against me, I thought, time to do that alone time and just get back into my personal space. Yeah. Unity, solidarity, strong. Yep, yep. So far, so good. Well, all of that is about to go right out of the window. Justin, on the blue map, please. Gabrielle, on the orange map. It's such a lovely day, we thought we'd have a tribe shuffle. Gabby, you have to pick a girl. Sometime today be good. David, how does it feel to be the last one picked? You don't feel hurt? Ah, uh, no, not at all, really. I would. Well, that would be you, it's not me. Oh! Stop, stop. Sick burn, bro! Oh, look at that, the strategist Oldfield. For some reason, the wind kind of changed and I got to hear everything that they said. And I heard them say to each other, let's just get out of them everything we can and then we get rid of them. He's our little man and he looks after us. And he's not making an offering. Oh, Fiona showed me the little uh, icon, shrine, whatever word you want to call it. It was definitely odd. You know, we thought it might have been a bit of a joke, but uh, we soon found out that it wasn't. It was quite serious. Fiona is obviously very earthy and very spiritual, and I was expecting that with her witch and paganism sort of background. I'm more your typical conservative Aussie bloke with maybe a little bit of metrosexual thrown in on the side. Yeah! Woo. Wow. Oh. Oh. oh my god. <laughs> Did I let the team down? I'm really freaking out that I didn't let him down. Was it me or what? But was it? I need to know. Honestly, I think you are great. We all gave it our best effort and, and today it wasn't good enough. So that's, that's all that's we can do. It is. You're going to let us down. Do you think I need some? Yeah. Do I? Yeah, you do. Come on. Really? I'm not going to make my decision based on any politician telling me what to do or anyone else, so I feel in my heart that, that I'm making the right decision. Third person to be voted out of Celebrity Survivor. The only sad moments, or is it Ding Dong the Witch's one? Your friend and friend! I'm Melody! What else can you do? Well, I'm reasonably athletic uh, to go, and uh, you know I can run pretty fast. You, you look fantastic fast for and... 55.